Nah, it's not Hump Day. It's Indy 500 with DJ Idlehand on K100 Radio. Yeah, that's right. Make sure you tune in to K100 Radio every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's your dog, DJ Idlehands, holding you down on the ones and twos. Make sure you tune in to the Indy 500 Mix Show where we break independent artists, play some exclusives, throwbacks. Tune in. You never know what you might hear right here on K100 Radio. Don't forget to catch DJ Obens live in the mix every Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Hear this! With that dance hall, reggae, and soca music. Keep it locked. Right here on K100 Radio. Right here on K100 Radio. Check, 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 it's good to hear everybody, man. What's popping, man? Uh, 347-934-0966. That's what you need to hit up right now, man. We're live for another edition of the MICC, Music Industry Conference Call, right here live on k one Radio. And what we do over here with this particular segment, we're going to be just talking about the music business and bringing some real music professionals on the line. Of course, you know, I got the homie, the host in the building with me, Mugs a Million. Mugs, what up, bro? Let's get it, man. Let's go. What up, what up? Man, you know, man, you know, it's time to go to work, man. This is work. It's fun. Yeah, it's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here to educate the people. We're here to educate the people now. <laughs> They're going to learn today. You're going to learn something. If you, don't, if you don't learn nothing today, then you don't want to learn. Because I plan on asking some real in-depth questions to all of the guests that we got going on today. Man, we got, we got, a, we got a lot of them, man. Tell me what we got coming up, Mux. Man, look, we got entertainment attorney Ross Sappin coming in on the line. Uh, he's a Grammy member. He's also part of the Georgia Music Partners. Going to drop some good game on us on with some behind-the-scenes stuff that we all need to know about as part of this music industry. We also got my guy uh, Matthew Steele coming on the line. He's a music publisher and licensing expert, owner of Steel Sync. He's going to be checking in, talking about music licensing and how that stuff kind of works a little bit. And then, man, lastly, man, we got, man, an OG of OGs, man, the one and only Big Gilp, man, Goody Mob, man, going to be on the line too, man, ATL's on, man. So that's going to be a nice, nice little night right there. Yeah, it's going to be dope, man. I think that, uh, you know, the dynamics of the people that we got coming, uh, calling in, uh, for this particular segment is really, really, really just different. I mean, you've got the you've got the real business. You actually everybody's gonna get you paid because everybody's got some real game. But you've got the attorney and the music publishing and somebody mm-hmm. who's been there and done that. I think that's a real, yeah. you know, really well rounded. You know what I'm saying? Uh, cast of people that we're gonna talk to tonight, man. You, you feel me? Uh, I think everybody, yeah, is, yeah. you know, because because at the end of the day. You know, with the music industry, it's, it's different facets to it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't even understand how far an entertainment attorney can get you in the game. Most entertainment, Man, come all on them, now. If, they, if they if they the shit, they plug into everybody more than your manager, more than your DJ, more than your producer. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they know everybody. That's real. You know what I'm saying? So it's uh, That's real talk, man. Yeah, it's important. You know what I'm saying? That you know people are like there. And, and the way digital music is going right now, of course, sync licensing and music publishing and getting your stuff placed on movies, that's the lick because just uploading it to that piff, that ain't that ain't gonna work no more. 
<laughs> that ain't gonna work. No, nah, we trying to get to this money. You gotta get to we the money. We trying to get to this money, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yes, sir. Absolutely. So, uh, the number to dial in if you want to hit us up or hit us with your questions, 347 934 0966. Again, that's 347-934-0966. Make sure if you're on the lines, if you're calling in to ask questions uh, to any of the guests, make sure you press the number one on the keypad. Uh, there's two ways that you can listen to K1's radio. Well, there's multiple ways, but two formats. You can listen on the internet or you can listen on the phone. If you dial in at 347-934-0966 while we're live right now, you can listen over the phone. But we'll assume that, you know, you just want to call in and listen. And if you don't press the number one, we may not come to your phone line. So if you're listening right now on the phone and you actually plan on asking a question or you want us to come to your phone line to get some feedback about what we're talking about, press the number one when you call in. It'll say you're now in the host queue. So make sure that you actually press the number one if you want to ask the people some questions. On the flip side, of course, we highly encourage, if you just want to listen and you don't want to participate, we highly encourage you to listen to it um, on our app, on TuneIn Radio, or on our website, iTunes Radio, the multiple ways on the internet, because it's just better quality. The phone line is meant for us to talk to you guys so we can hear you over the phone and, and, and conversate but it's not the best quality of course so if you really want to just sit back and listen to it in really great quality yo download the k1's radio app it's free we got it for android ios if you got tune in look us up on there or go to our website k1sradio.com and just plug it in kick back and enjoy the show you dig we appreciate you all right mugs so before we get into it because uh who's a, a ross chaffin entertainment attorney ross chaffin is he's first you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, he's first. Yeah, Ross, man, he's actually, man, one of my entertainment attorneys, man, that I got um, on board with me, man, and a recording academy member, man, like you were saying, man, people, man, they plugged in, you know, this guy's a Grammy member, you know what I'm saying, he got other clients, man, that's got publishing deals that he just closed for them, um, he's doing producer deals for Cats, you know, a lot of stuff, man, this guy is like super plugged, man, like for real, for real. That's what's up. So I'm I'm looking forward. We got him coming online about uh, about five or ten minutes from eight fifteen. He's scheduled to call in, so we want to make sure you give him a second. What else? Do we, I, I tell you what though. Oh, yeah. I had a um I had an interesting conversation, uh, and I meant I was going to try to bring this up on the last one, but we had just so, so many callers, and, and it was it was going so great that we just couldn't do it. But yeah, I had a conversation that we can jump into before Ross Chaffin gets on the phone about what do you think? Do you think the CD? Is dead. Just give me, just give me real quick. I want to have a quick five minute discussion about that. Man, look, it's crazy, think, right? I, I went did? to a music conference in 2011 out in LA. Uh -huh. It was the National Association of Retailers and Merchandisers, mm -hmm. the, the organization. That's, the, that's what it was based off of. Right. And the guy sitting there, man, taking mind, he's like some of the top top dogs in the industry, um, on the behind the scenes level. And the guy sat there in a panel full of retailers, man. And told them, man, in five years, the CD is gone. That was 2011. It's 2016. They almost right on the head with it, man. Um, I actually saw that post when you was doing it. And it's something that I tell clients when doing artist consultation with them. You know, a lot of cats is ready to do the whole print up a thousand CDs and pass them out and da 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 da, da. But like you said, man, cars ain't even coming with CD players in them anymore. That's that's you know that's, what I'm saying? that's a telling sign right now. So that already should be your wake up call. Cars and even computers, man. You buy a laptop computer right now to this day, it don't got a disk drive on it. Right. You see what I'm saying? So if, if the people that's building the future of technology are not including CDs anymore, it already lets you know, man, it's, it's a wrap. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a wrap, man. I mean, CDs are good. Only heads up I would give an artist out there, for one, if it's actually your album that you got barcoded and registered with Nielsen Sound Scan, where you can actually make some real money and tracking off of it. But they really only good, man, for live show purposes as far as merchandise. Right, right. You know, where people can actually physically walk away with a tangible item. You know, you might autograph and sign it, but are the chances of that person buying that CD and going to go pop it in their car? That's slim to none, man. They still probably already own your project on their iTunes and got it on their phone somewhere downloaded, man. You know what I mean? So... The CD ain't for listening purposes anymore like that. Right. I, I, you I know, if anything, you know, I, I think a couple more years, man, it's over with. I tried to explain to someone that right now, like if someone came to me today, today, I wouldn't tell them not to. I would just tell them to do it in a limited supply. Don't do it. Do it to the to the scope of. Real fans that you know you really have. If you're going somewhere, there you go. If you, because I, I and it was crazy because um, I see we got Matthew Steele on the line. I'm waiting for Ross Chaffin to come on, and uh, because I think Ross Chaffin is scheduled to go first, and then we'll get, we got Matthew Steele after that. But I see Matthew Steele is on the line. Uh, welcome, brother. Listen, so um, listen, I, I said that I was saying that uh, you should only do a limited supply, and the reason why I say that is because if you're going somewhere. And you're going to like certain events or whatever. And you just want to have that feel. You want to give people that feel. I tell you one thing that CDs do do. And I kind of. This is one thing I'm going to miss about CDs. And I, 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 the whole, This whole conversation started on my social media page. Because I just bought a car in, in November. The, 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 the very first week of November. I bought, a, I bought a new car. It's got a CD player in it. And it was right around New Year's. And I posted on my page. You know what? I've had this car for um, almost going on two months now. And I have any. Yeah. I don't even know if the CD player works. That's all I said. And I said, you know, I said, I, all, I said all I said was, I'm telling you, artists. Now, I run an internet radio station. I, I, I'm constantly talking to artists, music DJs, producers, whatever. I couldn't even imagine not having a car and not touching the CD player two years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Many, you know what I'm saying? But I had to, I, and I still haven't. It's February the 9th and I have, as I have a, I have a new car sitting in my garage, and I haven't. Use a CD player yet? I don't even know if it works. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. don't know if it works because I haven't. That's the first thing we do, man. Right. You get a new whip. You know, this was five, ten years ago. You get a new car, you hopping right in and putting your best CD right in that thing. Exactly. You know what I mean? And you know what You're I doing did? that before you even check the oil pressure on that thing, bro? You ready to ride? You know what I mean? How's the CD player work? And right. you might sell a car just off of that. Right. And, 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 and you know what? All I was concerned about was the Bluetooth capabilities and the aux cord. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's Please, all I was concerned yeah, about when I got I said, well, hold on, make sure it's got an aux input. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Can it be retrofitted for a Bluetooth if it don't have it? And, and yeah, okay, I'm good. I didn't even give a thought to the CD player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's just, that's all I yeah. said. And, and, you know, of course, if you're my social media friend, you've seen that whole post just get completely crazy with people in their yeah. opinions about stuff. You know what I'm saying? But, it, you know, it was really just interesting to sit and watch everybody who felt one way or the other. Because you had people who have active campaigns who I respect in the game. Because I'm friends with a lot of people yeah. that's really working. And they were like, we just pressed up a thousand CDs. What are you talking about? And I'm like... Yeah, I didn't. Well, I, I didn't say. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say. Don't do CDs. I didn't say. Don't press up CDs. I'm saying, yeah. right now, today, at this very moment, you're going to be doing that in a limited supply. In two years from now, you're not going to be doing it at all. I yeah. bet you. 
I bet you're not yeah. going to be doing it at all. I mean, like you said, man, they got to be strategic about it. I tell clients that even as far as the printing of flyers, man, like flyers are cool, but at the same time, man, it's a downgrade to the 2016 music industry. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't walk around here and see a bunch of young cheesy flyers or postcards sitting around on the countertops nowhere. So what makes you think, you know, you should be still doing the same thing, man? We got to keep in our minds as an independent artist, whether it's servicing your record to a DJ, whether it's marketing and promoting yourself, trying to break your brand into a market, you know what I'm saying, the marketplace, you're competing with the other guys that's already doing that, whether it's on a major scale or not, man, you're competing with that. If I open up a hamburger spot tomorrow, you know, called Muggs Burgers, I'm in competition with McDonald's. It ain't fair, but that's who I'm in, comp in competition with. You know what I'm saying? Because I decided to sell the same type of product that they selling. So we got to keep that in mind, man. When we sell it, you selling music, you competing with T.I. You competing with um, Walker Flocka or Future. You know what I mean? Like, right. that, that's the real That's the real of it all, for real, man. And I think everybody needs to also so, understand that it's, it's, it's like, listen, when it comes to just cities or whatever, again... It's, it's not even so much it's so much as it's keeping up with the technology or whatever but it's also just what really works because i also put up a post on that very post you know in the comments you know how you comment with a with a great yeah. comment and you put a post i actually put up a post at a panel uh that i had attended recently of dj's and i put up and i and, and i was playing i put that post up there because i was just showing them that it was a panel of 20 something djs from all over the country it was a conference that i had went to and i was like yo listen to what these guys are saying and it was djs and, and and all of the djs were like look i take cds but i don't like to take cds you know what i'm saying you feel me and it was just like i said it's not it's, it's not just a consumer thing it's the the model of the industry itself the people who are actually actively working in the industry they're all also feeling the same way but the only thing i will say is i'm actually I'm actually not happy per se for one is one main reason I'm not happy about CDs leaving because CDs are tangible products that you can put in your hand and they cost money to make and CDs used to used to weed out the people who were serious and not serious the people who had money yeah. to really to really yeah. do music because for some reason everybody thinks you can be a starving broke artist and it's going to work and it doesn't work that way you know what I'm saying you need money to actually promote and market and make your music and manufacture yeah. your music and i think that cds going away completely will again it'll do the same thing that mixtape sites and everything did for the game it'll just it'll it'll saturate the market with people who can take a lot of shortcuts to be heard you know what i'm saying that's the only that's thing about up. cds leaving that i just i'm not looking forward to because remember back in the day if someone gave you a cd and it, didn't, and it looked like, you know, somebody gave you a CD with their handwritten on it on a Sharpie. You didn't even have to worry about oh, yeah. what it sounded like. You was going to frisbee that shit. <laughs> that shit was a coaster. That shit was yeah, the roll of your weed. You was using that to roll your weed <laughs> on. You know what I'm saying? That was done, daughter. Because it looked at bootleg. Yeah. You feel me? Now, you're yeah. going to have to actually take a couple yeah. of minutes out of your life to listen to some to listen to this link or listen to this shit. Because it's probably, it, it could be whack. You know what I'm saying? But everybody's on a kind of more of an even playing field because everybody's digital. And that's the one thing I really, really, really think that the death of the, of the physical cd or 12 inch really did because it don't get me wrong it kept a lot of talented people out because they couldn't afford that even though they probably was 10 times talented 10 times more talented the people who had the plug to get that done 
But, you know, it, it, it again, it was just another barrier for the industry to kind of cut out bullshitters. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's going to yeah. kind of that's going to be a repercussion of, of it dying. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the show. Everybody. I see our first two callers are on the line. Let's go. Again, right. this is the MIC Music Industry Conference call on K100 Radio, hosted by Mugs and Million. We've got a lineup for yes, you tonight, sir. man. we got people that's going to get you to the money. All right. First up, sure. we got entertainment attorney Ross Chaffin. What's going on? Welcome to the broadcast, brother. Welcome to K100 Radio. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Absolutely. Take it Ross, away. Ross, what's going on, my man? You doing all right, big man? I'm doing well, Muggs. Good, good to hear from you. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. Take it away, Muggs. Introduce him. All right, man. So, real quick, you know, I kind of gave people a, a, a light little heads up on what you got going on as an entertainment attorney. But, you know, if you want to just give them a, a quick little rundown of some of the stuff you got your hands in um, here in, in the Atlanta area specifically, man, and just a, you know, brief little background on yourself for the ones that didn't go do their research and homework and, and peep you out already. Sure thing. Yeah, so, like Mug said, I'm an entertainment attorney based out of here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, primarily, my clients are in the music industry. Um, I work with a lot of artists in hip-hop, in reggae, in pop, some rock. Um, I deal with contracts, negotiations, anywhere from songwriters to artists, um, to record labels, to producers. You know, so I see a lot of different facets of the music industry and how it's changing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of my rundown. I used to work in Miami, Florida. I'm up here now, and um, I work with bigger name artists. Uh, well-known, recognized people, all the way down to people just trying to get their their career um, jump-started. So, again, I, you know, I, I see all all different angles and all different sizes of the uh, music and entertainment industry here in Atlanta. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, me and Ross actually met a couple years ago, man. He attended, um, we were at the A3C, he attended my panel that I'd done okay. at A3C, man. And so... We just reconnected again, man, at the Grammy event for um, the, the Christmas event for the Grammys. And uh, it, it was real, really, really nice, man. Real good turnout, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, well, and me and him got the touch base, man, so I'm glad to get you on the line. So real quick, Ross, we got a lot of probably independent artists and producers, songwriters checking in real quick. Now, you being an entertainment attorney, um... I know me and you kind of talked about this prior to the call about producers, man. I want to touch on some of the producers real quick. And, you know, producers that want to sell a track to to an artist or even a producer that might have a track of theirs that got placed on somebody's album, man. Like, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the process normally or what's some of the stuff that comes across your desk when trying to help producers negotiate or, like, what should they negotiate for? as far as your um, opinion on, you know, giving up their full rights or, like, do most of the time you suggest them to try to hang on or they publishing, um, mm -hmm. the producer fees. You know, like, what some of the, the situations you ran into or some advice you would have for my producers out there when, when coming to trying to sell their tracks off to, to other artists or, or writers? Sure. Well, you know, it, it's a great point. I think, um, especially, you know, for this call and this conference, I think, you know, if we touch on the producer agreement, um, it'll work not only for the producers, because, you know, they're, they're the ones trying to get their placements, but also for the artists. Um, if an artist is out there trying to contract with a producer, I mean, both sides of the producer-artist um, 
the relationship, you know, need to understand how this agreement works. Um, you know, like we had talked about before the call, you know, I think this is a great place to start because I think the producer agreement um, is one of the most common uh, contracts in the music industry and especially in hip-hop, right? Because hip-hop of all, yeah. all genres, um, absolutely um, that, that relationship between the producer and the artist is very important. So this is, the, this is the kind of contract, this is the kind of agreement that I see actually most that comes across my desk most often. Um, okay. I think it's a great place to start. I think it's a great place for anyone, the producer or the artist, to really understand this agreement because more often than not, you know, I, I see a lot of the agreements and, or I guess lack thereof, no agreements. And then once money's being made, you know, someone's not getting paid right. Um, and so someone's always coming to me and saying, you know, I, I, I think I own part of this track and I produce this or my producer walked away from me. What can I do? And the first yeah. thing I always tell people is, you know, you, you got to get it in writing. Gotcha. Yeah, man, so, get it in writing, man. I have a question for you. Yeah. I have a question for you, Ross. This is Blizzman, yes, K100 Radio. Uh, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I've never met you, but I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. I have one question for you. I appreciate you having me. Where, 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 what is the point that you feel first initially an artist needs to contact you? Now, I, have a, I know a lot of artists feel like um, I know yeah. <laughs> uh, no, there's no such thing as a, as a as a as a cheap attorney. I mean, if it, cheap probably is not a good mm-hmm. idea. The word cheap and attorney <laughs> is probably not going to work out for you. You know what I'm saying? In the end, you know what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So so sure. so, w- w- at what point of an artist's career do you feel like they need to be contacting you? Because a lot of times when an artist are artists are starting their career out, they're they're concerned with, of course, first meeting people that can get them to help create their music, and then they want to get a manager. Right. And it, and if they have a little bit of moxie, they may actually buy for a publicist. You know what I'm saying? But when when is it when is it mm-hmm. when when do you see that most artists ended up contacting you? Are artists contacting you after it's already hit the fan and they need you to get them out and get their money, <laughs> or is it beforehand? You know, what are you mostly seeing as an entertainment attorney? You know, that's a great question. I, I, unfortunately, it's about fifty fifty. You know, I, I do see a lot of people where, like you said, once it hits the fan, um, people are mad. People are walking away. Um, they come to me and say, you know. I deserve this. This is what I understood our relationship to be, and it and it turned out not to be that, you know. And and I was that's an unfortunate situation, right? Because like we're talking about right now, I think the better idea to go ahead and talk to a, an attorney beforehand. Um, but as far as when you need to do that, um, you know, I am an attorney. It, it is sometimes expensive, but I, I would advise anyone, producer or artist. Um, you know, if you're not making money, you know, don't go spend money you don't have with an attorney. Um, it's going to be expensive, um, you know, but as far as once you get a placement, once someone has interest in your music and someone, you know, money's on the table somewhere. Um, yeah. You need to make sure whoever is contacting you and saying, I got the greatest deal of your life, you know, come with me, I'll, I'll get you placed here or, you know, come do this show or you know, I'll give you this amount of money to put my name on your track. Um, you know, it, it would be nice to talk to an attorney. And, and it, even though it is expensive, there are a lot of entertainment attorneys in this town, you know, that will sit down with an artist, sit down with a producer, um, kind of explain the situation for them, and without doing any actual legal work. I mean, you can walk away with some, some actual real knowledge about the legal side of it without ha- actually having to pay someone. Um, 
you know, I I'll give my contact information to Muggs after this is over. Maybe he can post it to the to the Facebook. And I, you know, I I welcome anyone on this call to give me a call, or yeah, anyone on this conference to give me a call um, if they have personal um, circumstances going on, and you know, I, I can help them walk through it. Uh, yeah, and then Ray, touching on that real quick too, man. Since you brought that up, um, especially on my Georgia listeners, man, I'm a people that's on the line that's right here in the city of um, Atlanta, or no matter where you're at in the state of Georgia. Period. Um, you're also a part of Georgia Music Partners, man. Uh, can you kind of explain to people, touch on that a little bit, and and let them know what kind of service that, that they offer, man, and let them know that that's out there for for them as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, Georgia Music Partners is a an advocacy advocacy group here, um, located in Atlanta for all of Georgia. Um, it's focused on attracting more music business um, to the state, and especially the here in Atlanta. Um, so what they do is uh, we work with musicians and music professionals, educators, and the Georgia legislator to try to come up with new ways to attract the music industry to here in, to here to Georgia. Um, you know, we've all seen how well the music or the film tax credit has uh, done in Georgia. And it's, it's, you know, people talk about Georgia as being the next Hollywood because all the movies coming down here. Um, mm-hmm. So Georgia Music Partners is on the kind of the forefront of drafting some new legislation for um, same similar tax credit for the music industry down here. And what that would what that would do would help anyone out there, um, producer, artist, um, sound engineer, you know, to get more uh, business in the music industry down here. So you know, there's a lot of events we do. Um, you can go to georgiamusicpartners.com. You can become a member. Um, you know, and, and we're really trying to collectively, everyone in this industry, we're trying to get everyone together um, to have a collective voice and kind of speak out as, as a true industry here in the state of Georgia and explain why, you know, and how we can all help each other grow to something similar to the film industry down here. Exactly. I have, one, I have one question for you, Ross, when it, as, as it pertains yep. to what you just said uh, about Georgia Music sure. Partners and what they do. Okay, there is, there, there, as far as just, I know as an entertainment attorney, there's, there's not even uh, a collective agreement or no one, everyone seems to be up in the air about just did the, the digital transformation because I think the music industry itself was so resistant to it because they couldn't control the internet like they really wanted to. So, so you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of there's a lot of going on about how you get paid from streaming. You got major artists saying saying uh, Spotify is the worst thing ever, and then you got people who love Spotify. You know what I'm saying? And you've got in Pandora Absolutely. and such and such. You know, and there's the legal ramifications of people can't get money from streaming. You know, you've got the onset of people like Sound Exchange coming in, and you know, then you just had the ruling that really affects what we do over here at K100 Radio. Um, about you know uh, streaming rates and royalties, you know what I'm saying. You know all this legal right. mumbo jumbo right. that a lot of people really just in the industry are not. They don't pay attention to not because either they don't know. Which in 2016 with the internet and Google, I don't know how you don't know. But again, some of them mm-hmm. don't know, uh, and, and some of them just don't get it. They don't understand all the intricacies that's wrapped up in the digital way you get paid in 2016 as an entertainment attorney. What is one thing that you would tell an artist, look, I got a lot of clients. I got clients, right? My clients are seeing a lot of money this way. You never heard of them, but they're getting the money this way. 
and, and you made sure, and, 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 it's, and for you as an attorney, you can say, I know for a fact because I negotiated that, and I know for a fact that thing right there, that entity, that that way works, and people get paid from that because I've won cases that way in settlements. How, what, give me something that you can say that's tangible that says, listen, so anybody that's listening, you really need to focus on this and making sure this is right as an artist. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's a great point because, you know, like you said, it's no one knows <laughs> – what six months is going to look like in the music industry, right? So we're all playing catch-up. Right. Um, but, to, but to your question, you know, I, I'll give you two examples here. Um, I think, you know, initially, um, I would tell anyone this, um, singer, songwriters, producers, I think the most steady stream of income, the most reliable stream of in- income that you can get in this industry right now is music publishing. Um, you know, so I, I guess that excludes if you're an artist and you, and you don't write your lyrics. Um, maybe this doesn't pertain to you, but a producer, a songwriter, singer-songwriter, um, you know, you, you, you find your PRO, you make sure your split sheets are correct when you're in the studio with everyone else, and, you know, you, you hope you, the, the song makes it and, and it hits the radio or it gets licensed to be in a commercial or a music video or whatnot. Um, you know, it, and that's, that's real income. Um, that's real income that... Um, PROs, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, will send to you. You know, granted, sometimes it won't be very much money, but you know, right now it's it is steady. It will keep coming in, and you know, you hope and you you keep working, you build your brand, you build your name. Um, you know, those statements will will, will grow. Secondly, mm-hmm. and this I think this pertains more to the artist is live performance. Um, you know, right now. The one consistently growing thing in the music industry is live performance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think if you look at anywhere up to Coachella, uh, Lollapalooza, some of the big festivals, even down to small gigs in, you know, Atlanta, um, you know, that is real income. Because right now, as you said, you know, consumers aren't necessarily spending their money buying albums, you know. They like to stream. They like to to buy singles. You know, and and royalty money right now isn't your primary income if you're an artist. It's securing publishing, and it's live performance. So I would advise anyone out there, an artist right now listening, you know, to focus on making good music, building your fan base, and then trying to you know secure gigs here in Atlanta, uh, maybe making maybe Athens, you know, wherever you can go. Maybe you have to do it for free for some times, whatever. But, um, you know, right now, those are the two things that I think are the best ways for any artist of any size, small to big, to um, to uh, get paid. There you have it. There you, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, yes, I'm sir. Saying, listen, I'm saying thank you because I, well, of course, with me and Muggs, you preach it to the gospel, but... I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I constantly say this kind of thing, and, and, and let me let me be perfectly clear. I don't want. I got you, Muslim. I'm let you have it in a second. But I got to say this. Listen, because I, because what because I deal with a lot of independent artists here in Atlanta, whatever. I just had a huge debate on you know. I, I, I think my, I love social media because sometimes it's just like this. What we're doing tonight, we're trying to help empower, and sometimes it's just free free information that you know you get from people. And I, I had a really big back and forth with some people about artists. And who, why, why they, why, why should they pay certain platforms to be a part of their platform? And one artist said, "Brung up something that you just brung up that that never really comes up." You know, the performance 
the live performance royalty that almost no one yeah. knows about. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like nobody right. knows. It. But, right. here, but here's the thing: it's really when you're dealing with independent artists, which is, of course, our forte here at K100 Radio. You know, we're we're a conduit for the for the indies, and so. It's kind of hard to tell them, hey, you know, you can get paid for doing that show when 99% of the time they're performing locally, they're going to have to pay to get on that stage. You're going to have to pay $20 to be a part of this, that, and the third, whatever, you know, whatever whatever stage it is that's popping. You know what I'm saying? Even if it's an A3C stage, if they're going to South by Southwest, if they're jumping on somebody's stage, it's, it's, it's a great chance they pay to get on that stage. So saying, saying yo, you know, you're supposed to get paid to get on that stage is so foreign to an indie because they're so used to paying to even get on the stage. It's it's like an oxymoron. It's like, it's like bizarro music industry for these people. You know what I'm saying? And I know you're saying that that's yeah. a, a, a great way to get money, but it's really hard that that's one to focus on that one particular thing you said about that, because I know, I know that you were yeah. going to say that because you're an attorney, but in the in, in the real world application of it, it is so difficult to get people to even understand that, and even more crazier to get the venue to go along or the DJ or the promoter who's doing that event to say, "Hey, yeah, yeah, we're gonna make sure we pay you for this show you did." Nah, how much? How many people you brought? And give me, we need twenty dollars for you to get on stage at the showcase. You know what I'm saying? It's so it's so far fetched. And then real quick too, though, Blizzard, I think another thing he's touching on too that. I know I was able to bear witness with, man. I put myself on a promo tour um, in 2014. And when he speaks of the performance royalty, like a lot of artists don't know that the same way you register a song that you hope to get put on the radio with your PRO, you can register that live performance. So in the same sense of what you're saying about them paying $20 for an open mic, well, at least by going through the steps and the procedure to register your music with your PRO that's like you're supposed to, and in turn, you register that live performance that you're about to do at Strokers, you'll see a back-end residual income from the live performance from your PRO also, though. If- like, I was able to register every one of my performances I did while I was on tour, and my performance royalty check grossed more money then my single being on iTunes, Spotify, all the streaming, even the satellite radio spins I was getting on Shade 45, man. Like that check from the live performances ended up being more than all of the spins and streaming combined, man. That's a So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> People have to understand that and get themselves used to, you know, also, man, artists have to, you know, I'm glad you brought that up too. And I know this is kind of, a little far from what we had with Ross being on the line, but being that we on that platform speaking to artists and paying for shows, like that mm-hmm. part of that process is only going to change when artists decide to not pay. Well, that's, like, and that's the same that's, way that's the, the DJ part, and the promoter feel like they had the leverage and the power where if artists were smart enough and we were to come together like we supposed to, like DJs, they come together. DJs, they never had the problem that artists have. If a DJ say, hey, bro, we charging $75 a slot to put songs on mixtapes, every DJ across the board, they sticking to that $75 across the board, and that's what they charging. And that's how they formatted the system that's going on right now. Well, artists, we don't come together on conference calls the way DJs do every week and come up with a game plan to say, hey, this is how we're going to change that open mic stuff they're doing. 
You know what I'm saying? We can put our $25, $50 in the pot together and go rent out our own venue and throw our own shows. And we don't have to charge at the door nothing but for the people that's coming through there to support us. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to charge people to actually perform. You know, so it, it's just a mentality, man, and it's a fixture of things. You know, the moment the artists decide that, okay, it's power in numbers, when you do the math, it's more artists than it is DJs, it's more artists than it is promoters. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So somewhere we're not doing the math to where the artists see that we really do have the leverage. Well, I would say, I would, I would definitely say, and I'm going to let, I got to get a platform back to Ross, because I would definitely say to that, to that last part that you just said, yes, there's more, but it's not a question of always more. It's a question of, it, it, yes, it's more artists, but how many, how many artists are really business savvy enough to, you know, and how many artists are serious enough? Because it's a different one thing about platforms, and, and you know, it's it's yes, it's a lot of internet radio stations, you know what I'm saying? But it's definitely way more artists than internet radio stations because this takes some technical savvy, this takes some learning, this takes some equipment, this takes money, you know what I'm saying? And so this is this doing this is not it, it's simply harder, it, even though it's not as hard as doing some other things. It's not as easy to jump into as just getting up. And saying, "Yo, I want to, I want to, I want to be an MC. I want to rap, and I just want to get some instrumentals and flow on them." So that's the difference. Yes, it's always going to be more artists, but there's always going to be because it's just more people. Because it's just more people who grow up and loving music and feel like they want to do that. And then someone wakes up and say, "Hey, I want to start an internet radio station. Hey, I want to be a DJ. Hey, I want to make beats." You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just simply more artists because people just enjoy the enjoyment of listening to music more. So they want to be the Beyonce or the Jay Z as a child more and i think that's just the way it's it's the way it is you know what i'm saying but I, I i i'm not saying that to not knock what you're saying but organizing you know that many people and that many artists and when most of them are not even in it for the music business they're in it for especially with hip-hop we're gonna keep this shit 100 with hip-hop people are in it for yeah. a whole bunch of other reasons outside of just getting paid they're in it because you know uh i, I meet more rappers that just want to be rappers because because Yo Gotti got a whole a Lamborghini, and he getting a lot of hoes, and they want a lot of hoes too, and a Lamborghini. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, let's just. Be, I, yeah. I, I want to make sure that we're when we and, talk about hip hop and, and, and R&B, we got to be specific. We on the call and they listen. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And that's the you know what I mean. Right. Hopefully, this can spark up people's mind. Though I still just think it's a repetitive. You know what I mean? It's like people stay slaves until they see other people get free. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the people that got free had to come back and say, look, this ain't the only way. You see what I'm saying? So I'm speaking to the ones that do have that business business everybody. So like you said, they okay, you want to be like a Jay-Z? Well, look at what Jay-Z did. He took this newfound way of the industry, knowing that it's going digital, and he said, okay, I'm going to be a step ahead of the labels. I'm going to buy my own digital platform because I know what's about to happen. You see what I'm saying? So it's just a matter of leadership, man. I ain't saying every artist gonna think to do that because, you like you said, eighty five percent of them, especially in rap, they not gonna do that. Right. And then again, <laughs> rap is the only genre that's like that, though. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you go talk I'll to the it. rock cats, you go talk to the country <laughs> artists. Guess what? They not paying a promoter or a club venue to come and set up their drums and keyboard. And I'm gonna pay you but, to Muggs. come and perform in here. Muggs. No, sir. Muggs. Hip hop, we the only ones to do it. Because mugs, I, I, we, we, I mean, let's just keep. Let's. I got. I got to get back to Ross. But let's just keep it 100. Hip hop is not country. Hip hop. You know, when people say that, I get what you're saying. But let's just all the way down from the creation of hip hop, from where hip hop. 
what hip hop talks about. You feel me? Um, the way, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, I, I know. It's, it's we, a lot of reasons why you can't. Like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, I, I just, yeah. I'm trying to speak <laughs> to the people for them to understand. Like, we got us like this. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Well, we got us like this. You'd have to trans. You'd have to transform the genre from the from the roots to to, to do that. Let, let me, I got somebody that wants to ask a question though. Uh, Ross, you mind taking a question from some of our callers? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, let's go, go ahead. ahead. I got I got somebody that's been waiting for a minute. I'm pretty sure they got a question for entertainment attorney uh, uh entertainment attorney Ross Chaffin. Uh area code five one three four seven seven. You're on the line with K one hundred radio. Welcome. Good evening, brother Blizzard, distinguished Esquire and brother uh Billy Mop. How are you doing tonight? Oh, how you doing? This sounds like Uncle Sid. It's just me, indeed. Yeah, how you doing, Uncle Sid? Welcome to the broadcast. I ain't heard from you in a long time, brother. How you doing, man? This is Sid. I'm uh, doing is he I'm owns, doing okay. He, he owns MeCap, and he's got a very, a very successful in a, um, independent label, and he has some great artists on his roster. A lot of those guys that we spend over here on k One Radio, uh, a long-time listener and supporter, man. He's also an OG in the game, man. He's also a member of the Grammy Committee and everything. So, you know, we're talking to somebody. I, I'm glad you called in, man. You got a, you got a question for me for Ross Chaffin? I know you got a good one, Uncle Sid. I know you got one. Yeah, I am. Um, I really liked a lot of the things that you said. Uh, and they are applicable to the wider range of the music business. And I really like some of the things that uh, were being said about the rap community paying to play. Right. And that bothers me because he's right that the country and the rock and all those people don't pay to play. They get paid to play when they go into their venues. And I, and I get the cultural reason that that is. But a lot of these young rappers that, that come to me, it's not so much with the R&B people or the other genres of music. You're right, they just want to be seen. And in some aspects, they just want to be heard. And they haven't realized that the intellectual property that they create has value. And when you give it away, like on SoundCloud and on DatPiff and these kind of places, those places don't pay royalties, streaming royalties. So therefore, you have denigrated the whole purpose of the music business since it has moved into a renting business rather than an owning business. And if we mm. could all band together mm. and teach our youngins that there is value, even a landlord that owns rental property, he's making money. So it's never yeah. going to be a sale thing again. You know, people like Clive Davis and L.A. Reid and Quincy Jones have addressed this in recent interviews. They have had to learn and recognize that it's not about selling music anymore the old way. It's about renting it through streaming. And as a matter of fact, the major labels are real soon going to start signing people to streaming deals as opposed to record contracts because that's just not going to work. That model is totally broken. So I'm asking you as a, a person that knows a little bit about the music business and you're an esteemed attorney that deals with this all the time. What do you think is the way that we can get to these young brothers and sisters that do urban music in particular? Because urban music is the one that's hurting. It has the most illegal bootlegs, the most illegal file sharing, and it has the most streaming, therefore the less profits. What do you think we can do to try to get them educated from the aspects of knowing that their music has value and to get it legally protected? Because I am so bothered by these people that are called beat makers that quote-unquote sell their beats to people. Then let's say that record starts to blow up on internet radio or satellite radio. Then they come back and say, hey, that's my beat. I want to get paid. But they sold it to somebody for a sack of Crystal Burgers or for $50. 
and they thought they had a transaction, but they didn't even have any paperwork. Sure. Yeah, you know, and thanks for the question. I appreciate it. Um, you know, this goes back to what we started the call with, or when I when I jumped on um, the idea of a producer agreement. Um, you know, especially in hip hop and the urban in the urban genres, you know the the term producer has transformed in what you refer to as a beat maker, right? And someone, you know, gets on a machine, gets on um, on the computer, makes a beat, give it to someone for whatever, throw it up on SoundCloud, and someone someone goes on there, um, steals it, I guess, lack for a better term, and um, you know, in 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 monetizes it. So I think. Um, what what people can do to have more of an awareness is, is, is to understand that um, you know there are ways to make money off of a beat, um, not not just a lump sum, you know, not five hundred dollars and here's your here's your track, but also you know it's trying to secure some type of future master royalties, um, you know. And again, this is more to the power of having a signed contract because if someone tries to go above your head and just kind of your beat doesn't pay you and you say no we have this contract you are legally bound to pay me um, for my work so um, you know the general way people are paid in a producer agreement is the lump sum um, the most standard way a producer is paid um, but you know uh, things to think about from the producer perspective or the beat maker perspective um, if you have a beat and someone comes to you and says, I really like this beat, or even, and I, and I see this situation happen a lot. Um, a beat maker puts their beat up on SoundCloud. It's there for a couple months, and then one of their friends comes up and says, you know, this recording artist on the radio, that sounds very similar to your beat. And you get on there, and sure enough, they stole it from you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and in that situation, absolutely go find an uh, entertainment attorney, anyone, and, and you know, and, and help help them get their money. But regardless of it's before the beat is shopped or after or after it's stolen, a producer has some options. You know, you have the lump sum payment, um, but also you can negotiate for royalties, master royalties. Um, and I've seen agreements anywhere from one to five percent of every time a master sold. The producer gets part of the artist, the payment, and you know, and, and this can be lucrative for a producer um, because it's more continuous of the lump sum. And additionally, if the, the track gets really big, you know, then you're making a whole bunch more money than just taking the lump sum at the beginning. So, for any producer out there, anyone who's trying to sell beats, anyone who has beats up on online, and someone contacts you, you know, you got have a couple things in your mind you gotta think you know do I really need this money right now is it better am I better off taking whatever they're gonna offer me right now 500 bucks 50 bucks a thousand dollars you know on up or could you take a little bit less lump sum money and try to negotiate for uh, the right to a master royalty you know if you feel if you want to invest in yourself um, on the long term you know maybe take less lump sum try to get yourself one two three percent um royalty points on the master so every time it's sold um you know you're getting a return on your investment so let me ask you this about that what you just said because i, I want we got to get ready to go because we're, we're about two minutes three minutes over so we got to get ready to get to matthew Steele. Mm. but sure. i want to make sure i want i want to make sure i'm clear for people that's listening the artists who are trying to go out and get the least beats because 
leasing lease, leasing beats is 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 what a lot of independent artists doing. We focus with the independent artists. A lot of independent artists yeah. have to lease beats because they can't afford. If if I was a dope producer, you can't afford to pay me three four thousand dollars to actually go out and make this an exclusive track. If you go on any, if you go on SoundCloud, okay, if it's Johnny Juliano, whatever, who doesn't matter? You know what I'm saying? Whoever whoever has you know hot a hot website, you know what I'm saying? Where where artists can come through and get some dope beats for the low low. You know these guys as producers are trying to lease just like leasing a car you know they're, they're leasing the beats out mm-hmm. for you to use for 50 dollars, and you don't own it but if you want to get exclusive rights a lot of them have it where you can go and get an exclusive where they'll actually send you the pro tool for i've done it before you know what i'm saying I, i've actually worked with producers online who said for 300 dollars, i'll send you the tracked out wave the tracked out waves and you can use uh-huh. it however however yeah. much you want to use it you know what i'm saying whatever now they still mm-hmm. They still expect to get royalty payments now, I, and, and and of course I, it was it was dangerous ground. I've got multiple songs that if something ever pops off one day, I'm probably going to have to end up talking to somebody like Ross. You know what I'm saying? Because somebody's gonna, <laughs> somebody's going somebody's gonna to come back and say, "Bullism, oh wait a minute, you put that song." Even though I paid you five hundred dollars for that tracked out session, I've got about ten beats uh, from the last in between the last three projects that I did that I actually bought this way, purchased myself. That I paid these guys five hundred bucks. They sent me the pro the, the tracked out Pro Two Wave sessions. You know what I'm saying? And, and on their website, it specifically states, listen, you can get the least beat, which is the true track of the MP3 or the wave they'll send you. You know what I'm saying? For $50 or for four, for $500, we will send you the track out beat and it is, it is exclusive. We're going to take it down off our website. No one else is going to be able to download it. And it's yours for $500. But if you really read the, fall, the, the, the small print, of course I did. And it says, but we still... You know, retain, you know, publishing, you know, as far as being the composer, you need to make sure that you list us in your ASCAP or whatever as the composer of the track, which I had no problem with doing when right. I reg- when I registered the songs. Now, this may be going over some people's head, but if it's going over your head, you really need to stay on this phone line for the rest of this show. And you really need to listen to everything we're saying because you're really lo- a little bit behind the curve. But just one question before we go. When you get a situation like this, Ross, have you ever had someone, a client that you know, who was basically one of these kind of producers who put their beats out there for people to lease because they're dope and they're not necessarily known, so they're not selling. Because as a producer, you 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 can you can make the same exact beat as Drummer Boy or Metro Boomin, but because your name mm-hmm. ain't Drummer Boy or Metro Boomin, no one's gonna give right. you the money for it because they can't go out and say, "Hey, I got I got uh this beat over here." But nah, you know, and a, and, a, and a DJ may not play it. But if I say, hey, this is a Metro Boomin' beat. Oh, I know about Metro Boomin'. They play it. Just having the name attached right. to the beat, you know what I'm saying, is what sells you as a producer sure. in hip hop. So if one of these, have you ever have you ever seen a case where one of these guys who just lease their beats out have actually had an artist go out, take that lease beat or take that maybe $300 exclusive that they did and it blow up. And the and and the artists have to end up actually paying these guys a bunch of money, or the artist came back and said, "Well, actually, you don't own that beat." How does real quick? Can you explain to me how does that work? And we'll we'll go to the next the next part of the show. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I you know, I, I've seen that multiple times. And in fact, I have a couple clients right now. They're going through that exact situation you're going through. Producers that aren't well known that get their their lease beats, you know, taken offline. Um, using the, as a big name artist, and, they, and they're sitting there like, you know, this wasn't the agreement. Um, in that situation, if that ever happens to anyone, you know, and, and we can leave with this, I, and I, I wish I could give someone a better answer than this, but reach out to an entertainment attorney um, because 
someone in my position can go to a record label, especially if the artist is signed, if it's a big-name artist, go to the record label and say, you know, your artist stole um, my client's beat, and, and more often than not, I, I can't tell you how many times, the record label would, would so much rather prefer just to do the payout, um, give the credit, give, give publishing back, give a royalty percentage because they don't want the bad press. They don't want their big name star in the news, mm-hmm. you know, saying True. they stole the speed offline. So ah, okay. they'll keep it on the table and say, you know what, we'll cut you a deal right now. Um, so for any of the callers out there, if that ever happens to you, you know, reach out to an attorney um, and, you know, and they will likely, you know, get you reimbursed for the work that you did. That's a that's the, thank you. Yeah. So basically, guys, <laughs> shout out to Ross Schaffer, and we're getting ready to go to Matthew Steele next. So basically, I, just to summate, summate what you just said, you said a lot of things. So you guys yeah. need, need if you didn't hear if you didn't hear this whole conversation, this will be up on SoundCloud later. Good luck and go back and go and listen to it. But listen, here's the thing, and he said basically something that I've wanted to know for a long time. These labels are, are going to settle this thing out. You know, if, if you guys, if, if, if artists are jacking your beats or whatever, and you and for my producers who are on the phone line, you know what I'm saying? Hey, protect yourselves. Make sure that, you know, but let me ask you this, though, real quick. What if, they, what if they don't have their jargon right on their website when they actually give you the beat? Can you lose that case? If their jargon is not right on the on the website, when they're the one that put it up there for and say, hey, download it. Hey, here's my free beat for 99 cents. Can they lose that case real quick, uh, Ross? Well, you know, th- there's a lot more specifics than that. But if it's out there for free, you know, if it's a SoundCloud download, no, it, it is still the same. You, 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 I mean, there's certain copyright rights that you don't yeah. give to someone just because it's online. You know, maybe yeah. if you sell it for 99 cents, that's a different story. But if it's just out there for free, no, no, an artist can't do that. And, and, and the, the, the truth holds the same where... Um, a producer will absolutely need to be re- reimbursed um, for for the track. Okay, all right. So yeah. that's tricky though, because now the artists are like, man, it's you know what? We need a whole. We need it. We need it. I can well, I can spend well, two hours. Well, hands up to the artist too, man. <laughs> hands up for the artist real quick, man. It's called a work for hire, man. You get your yep. work for hire agreement, and in that absolutely. way. You know, even for my songwriters, man, work for hire agreements, you want to use those even when you get a vocalist to come in and demo a song that you're singing. Because, you know, if her vocals end up as the background on that Beyonce song that you get a placement for, guess what? She owns a part of the sound recording. And she can come back and sue you for that. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, work for hire agreements, man. That way, hey, I hired you to do this beat. I gave you 500. No more questions asked. Sign here. All right, we got to move Absolutely, along. Yeah, and, 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 you know, <laughs> real quick, I can't stress enough the importance of work for hiring. You know, maybe that's a conversation for another day, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, see, that's that's what I'm saying. Right at the end, when we got to move on, you say something that's really important, and I got to. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to bring you we got to bring you back, Ross. I really appreciate you coming through and, and and chopping it up with us. Hopefully, we one day we can have you in the future. We can have you come back and really because that's. This is one of those situations where, listen, you heard the word work for hire. I, I, I highly encourage you guys. That's a very important topic and a very important thing that we just said. If you don't know what that means, you know, you need to reach out to people. Uh, Ross, how can they get in contact with you if they have any business questions about uh, legal, legal advice? Sure. You know, uh, after this call is over, I'll, I'll have mugs put up my email address, my phone number. 
Um, you know, and like I said, uh, if, uh, anyone listening, please feel free. You're more than welcome to uh, shoot me an email, give me a call, um, explain whatever you're going through, and, and you know, I'd be happy to help you out. Thank you. Yeah, very holler much. me right quick on the IG and just put hashtag Ross on that thing. M U G S underscore a million. M U G S underscore a million. Uh, the K100 flyer is on there right now with Big Gip on the front. Just comment on that hashtag Ross, the mic, K100, something like that, man, and I'll get back at you on the ASAP. All right, man. Thank you, right. Ross. I really appreciate it, man. You you were really great. You gave some really great advice, and I, I got to get you back up here because I. I can I can do a two hour segment with you alone, bro. Cause it's crazy. Yeah, it's the sir. Wild West out here. Appreciate <laughs> you, my man. I'll definitely be in touch with you, my guy. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Absolutely. All right, no problem. Appreciate it. Entertainment attorney uh, Ross Chaffin, and he gave some real jewels. We got to keep it moving because we're behind time. This is why yeah, I, I told. See what happened, mugs. That's why I told you. Remember, I told you. Happens hey, every boy, time. We start. Flash when you're having fun, man. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, I know it. All right. Yeah. And let's go ahead and get to our next caller right here. Now we've got, we've told you some legal stuff that you need to know. We've got somebody online that actually gave yeah. you some real legal advice. Now we're going to take, but 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 remember when he mentioned the two ways that you need to be getting paid is. Exactly. Exactly. Is, is, is a specialty of our next caller. Music licensing was one of those ways. And we got yes, Matthew sir. Steele on the line. Matthew Steele, what's up, brother? What's going on, gentlemen? Thank you, man. Sorry for the wait, man. Sorry for the wait, man. You, welcome, oh, you're welcome. fine. You're fine. Thank you very no much. No problem. I was enjoying the conversation. It's good. I mean, I, I was tuning in the last hour, and you guys are touching a lot of good subjects, but stuff I can talk about all night. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Thank you for your patience, man. I really appreciate it. Welcome to K1's Radio for the first time, and um, I hope it won't be the last. We're live right now. This is the MICC, the Music Industry Conference Call on K100 Radio. <laughs> K100radio.com. The number to hit the phone line is 347-934-0966. If you got any questions for our callers, make sure you call in at 347-934-0966. But more importantly, press the number one on the keypad. Let us know that you want to holler at us real quick. We've got Matthew Steele on the line. He's a music licensing expert. And some of you may not even know what music licensing is in the pub and all that is. But I'm going to let Muggs take it away and introduce you to the broadcast. Go ahead, Muggs. Man, what's going on, y'all? Most million in the building, man. I got my guy Matthew Steele on the line, man. Music licensing expert, publishing owner of Steel Sync. Um, man, I'm gonna let him have the floor, man. Matthew, tell him a little bit about your company, Steel Sync, and uh, what you got going on as far as it pertains to music licensing out there, man. All right. Yes, uh, my name is Matthew Steele. I own Steel Sync here in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been in operation here for four years. I kind of fell in the sync business, the music licensing business, as it's called. Both uh, terms are interchangeable. Uh, about four years ago, um, and, well, five years ago now, in the film Limitless, uh, that went number one in the box office with Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro, and uh, Abby Cornish. Um, <clears throat> I was managing an artist at, at the time from Tampa, Florida, a guy named Prophet. Um, his song, This My Club, uh, was the song that was featured in the film. Um, and nice. up to that point, you know, I know you guys were talking about paying to get on stage and the expenses it is for any independent artists out here, and it's, it gets very expensive, and a lot of time, you're not going to see that quick return on the back end. So, you know, when I saw a nice hefty check for that sink, the upfront sink fee they gave us, um, you make you make money in licensing in, in multiple streams. Um, yes, sir. You make it from the upfront sink fee, you know, it could be anywhere from $500 all the way up to a million dollars for, you know, those big big songs um 
And um, not just that, but it, you know, in a situation like we were talking about, you're, where you pay for exposure, you're actually it's the win-win situation. You're actually getting the exposure and you're getting the money for the upfront sync. You're getting money for your performance royalties that you collect through your PRO, ASCAP, BMI, and T-Tech. And sure. you also get money for because the song's getting exposure. People are going to download and they're going to stream the record, which is going to bring you more money from that as well. And you're going to eat off publishing. So in really four different ways, you're making money off music life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So real quick, man, um, you know, Ross had just mentioned it, man. We had Ross Chaffin on the line, entertainment attorney. He just mentioned it. I'm heavily preaching it, man, when I do my consultations with clients. How important, man, is music licensing, your opinion, Matthew, how important is music licensing about to be and even is right now, man, for the independent artist and songwriter, producer, all alike, man, any creative music right now? I mean, it's it's huge. It, it really is. And it's, it's, no, it's not going anywhere. It's expanding music consumption at an all-time high. You've got companies now that are, are popping up left and right, whether it be... Uh, companies like on YouTube like like Vice Documentary or you got companies like Netflix is like has become the number one uh, distributor now um, just because mm. you know everyone has Netflix and they've, they've created all this original content out there and you, you know yeah. you have the video game market you got the ad market you got the television mm. market and these films on the indie film market and the major film market so there's a lot of money to be out, made out here just have a game plan and have your stuff in order to be able to do so Okay, and so also with music licensing, man, you you being a music licensing company owner yourself, is it something that you would say independent artists would have a hard time getting themselves involved in? Like, is it something that's really, they, they mostly looking for major artists or like really, do independent artists really have a shot at getting their songs, you know, place or even producers and songwriters that don't have a major publishing deal because most of the time they think oh you know i'm not with universal music publishing i'm not with sony atv or some of the big you know publishing players do the independent artists have a shot at getting placements in these big film and television opportunities man they absolutely do and i mean you mentioned you know them not being with a major publisher and for someone in the industry like a music supervisor or a director working on a project uh -huh. that is very enticing because if, if you're a they call a one stop and that's a term used in the music licensing business and throughout the industry that's someone that controls their own master and copyright and, pu and, and publishing so basically if, if, if they're looking for a song for a movie right now and they want to use your song and, and all they got to do is go to you to clear everything that's a one stop. They don't have to go to a third party. They don't have to go to a major publisher. They don't have to go through another label or, or anybody else that owns part of part of it to clear anything. And that makes their, their job easier and faster. Um, so exactly. you have a lot of power in that world, that world. But the thing is, like, my slogan for my company is called Indie Music Major Sound. You know, mm, I it, like it, that. it's about it's it's about having it's indie music but it sounds like it's major you know the songwriting the production the engineering yeah. the sonic quality which really can make and break a song you know get your yes. if you have that record you know you have that record spend that extra money get it mixed get it mastered and then get it over to you know to the right people Matthew because Matthew the, the, Matthew, Matthew yeah. Ma please please I'm, I'm sorry I did not want it I did not I promise I, I normally would not interrupt what you're saying 
But I need for you to say what you just said one more time for these artists listening. Please, sir. The last line. Please. Absolutely. I mean, your your music's your baby, you know, and you gotta you gotta take care of your baby, man. I mean, look at it as a tree. You gotta get sunlight. You gotta get water. And it's same. It's the same thing when it comes to the music, man. I mean, the production, the songwriting. You know, I mean, it's whatever you're able to do yourself. That's good. But know what areas you don't do well, and then hire someone to fill those areas and just give them a a, a piece of the percent of the song, so you have a better product. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but when I'm talking about on the sonic level, now there's a difference between getting that song in the background of a reality show that not too many people watch, that will only pay you $500 for a sync fee. You know, $500 is not bad, but, you know, it's not much. You know what I mean? If your stuff is, is well mixed, well mastered, it sounds like it could be a, ma- a, a major record on the radio or anywhere else, then... You can get larger placements. You can get those, you know, five figure placements in music licensing. It's possible. It absolutely is possible. One placement will get you five figures if it's the right placement. I'm talking about, you know, a big ad. I'm talking about like a trailer, you know, something, you know, the beginning credits uh, to a movie, ending credits to a movie, or a big montage scene in a big film. That's going to get you five figures just from that one placement. And that one placement can, can, multiply itself because it's a small business and once the music supervisors they all talk with each other just like djs you know and dj coalitions the same yeah, kind of concept a very small niche business so mm-hmm. if you get one song in one film or one television show that same supervisors might come back to you for the same record or more or that or they're gonna refer their friend over and bam bam you got multiple placements in the period of you know Three months, six months, a year—it's it's definitely possible. And not just that, but you're you're making those performance royalties, and you're gonna eat off that your whole life. Exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Independent artists have a, a lot of talent, and just know that. Just know that you—you're the one creating the music. You own the music. That's your—that's your property. Just like anything else, like you—you you, you guys refer, referring to property, like like a rental property. If you own it, you're leasing out with somebody. It's the same concept as owning the music. Exactly. Go ahead, yeah. Moses. You got a question. I got a question, but go ahead if you got one. Go ahead if you got one, Moses. I got yeah, go a question ahead. for him. Listen, listen, I got a question. Nah, man. I, hey, I, I love it, man. You know uh, what I mean? Go ahead, no blood. I'm going to ask some questions. All right. So check it out, Matthew. Here, here's a, I got I got so many questions. And first of all, I just want to I just got to say it one more time, bro. I cannot stress enough what you said about getting the song sounding major because over here at K100 Radio, you know, we do a live free music review segment and I and we and we and we give artists a chance to get on rotation over here free. The only thing we tell them is the music has to be done, it has to be professionally done right because we're playing you behind Jeezy and Jay-Z and Beyonce and whoever else. So we don't want to drop off a dip in quality just because they never heard of your name. We want them to say, "Wow, that sounds great. Who are you?" Click that link that we just shared. We're playing that. And so I totally 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 understand why most of the people listening to this and most of the people who really need to hear what you're saying are still going to fail because they're going to go in their homeboy studio, you know, and, and use their little inbox and get their little mix and master done. You know what I'm saying? Or Pro Tools LE or something and think that, you know, that just because they're dope 
as creatively that that's enough and they don't understand that you have to get it sounding sonically the same i just want to reiterate that but here's my question you just said that the music supervisor community is tight-knit it's like dj coalitions and it's like you know other things like the internet radio community maybe per se and we're kind of tight-knit but here's yes, the sir. thing here's the, here's the thing where if, if i want to get a song to core djs nerve djs coalition djs any of those guys if i'm an artist if i want to get them the music oh trust me they're gonna know where you need to send the music because these guys are gonna end up getting paid off of this some kind of way at some point right so they want you they they, they make it public where they're at who they are for me i've noticed that finding out who a music supervisor actually is who what where the actual music uh, uh licensing firms are that actually can get you placed are and on top of that not even knowing who they are where they are how do you contact them to actually get your music added to their library or added to the source that they actually check so the, the question is compounded a how do you target the music supervisors and the people or the or the music licensing firms who actually get placements you know what i'm saying how do you target them and say hey you know i want to i want to get you did get you this music so you can actually even consider it in the first place so that's the first part of the question like where where are people sending the music to get to these music supervisors because i've noticed that music supervisors like you said continuously pool the same resources but most most of the time these resources aren't public knowledge honestly yes and it's not for a reason because the resources are, are valuable so you know they don't want all that information but i mean there's for instance there's a website uh tunefind.com um that's t-u-n-e-f-i-n-d.com and say you know any project that's out there whether it be a movie or whether it be a television show uh it's, it will list the, the music that's listed in that in that project so you can listen to hear okay what kind of music are they using in case you don't watch a television show and you, you know you want to do a little research so knowing what what projects work for your kind of music is, is huge um but music music supervisors are, are very guarded you know they're hard to get to um that's why there's it, it's good to have a go-between whether you know be music license companies you go through um especially that specialize in in your certain genre um but um that's what i do i hunt these guys down you know what i mean that's part of my job most of them live in la uh some live in new york um, there's not that many here in the South. Um, and uh, I, I, I basically, you know, I set up meetings with them and I play music. And um, and I, I just get on their radar. I just get on the radars. You know, one supervisor, I get in with one good supervisor. They have plenty of friends and they introduce me to more people and just compounds more and more, as you know, as I as I do what I do. That's interesting because the, because a lot as has been said before earlier and, and I've I've seen it with my own eyes that the film industry and the TV industry is booming here in Atlanta. So why aren't the music supervisors here? Oh yeah. Why? What? What? So so basically, it's one of these things where it's kind of like hip hop back in the day where everybody loves rap, but you really all the labels were in New York. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, you know, exactly. is it like that? And that, that's a huge point. That's that's something that's come up on on discussion a lot lately because. Atlanta is New Hollywood. If you, I mean, half the movies being produced right now are being shot here in Atlanta. But you know, that's all. That's on the production and That's you know, on the shooting and still all the post work, all the music supervision still done out of LA. But that's going to change here very soon. And I know, um, yes, Rock mentioned Rock mentioned yes. um, the synchronization tax credit that they're implementing here in the state of Georgia, and that's going to take. That's going to give all these all these artists that normally don't get the 
the light of day, uh, more of a chance. And, and music companies like myself here are going to boom here pretty soon. It's going to take a little time for that transition to, to come because right now, you're right, none of, none, no local... Um, mid mid local artists are being used in anything that's being shot here. It's still music foreign out of out of this market. Just right. all the shootings being done here. Right, exactly. That's yeah. uh, that's 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 what I want to know because uh, listen, we've I mean we've got a, the Tupac movies being shot, the Walking Dead. It's all kind of stuff that I've actually actually went to, to the set and watched with my own eyes. But for the life of me, I yeah. couldn't find I couldn't find out who's in charge of getting this music. On this project, you know, it was it was very very yeah. very difficult. Yeah, and they're you know not going to even be there. I mean, a lot of these music supervisors, they, they travel a lot and they work. They can work from anywhere. Exactly. You know, their job is just to organize the music and right. get it ready to pitch to the to the producer, pitch it to the director and the music editor who's working on the project. And, yes. and, and, and you're not going to find them on. If you're looking for them on set, the majority of the time they're not going to be there. Only exactly. time for a music supervisors probably going to be on set is where there's an on stage performance like there's an artist performing that that supervisor put there in place there um and 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 is there are they getting like say for instance if there's a scene they're looking for a certain guitar for a scene and they got to find a guitar in the area or something like that they they help out in some areas like that but majority of their job is done all in the post towards the end of the process after after everything's already been shot yeah, and then I was gonna say too, man. A lot of the advocacy stuff, though, like when uh, what Ross Chapman had brought up, man. A lot of the advocacy that Georgia Music Partners and the Recording Academy are doing, man. I've actually been taking part in a lot of this stuff. We got a Georgia Music Day is coming yeah. up on March the second, man. Second, so, yeah. Um, yeah, man. So you know, it's a lot of advocacy work being done on the ground on behalf of Georgia's um, musicians and stuff to make sure. That those opportunities that come through here with film includes the people that create music here in the state of Georgia too, though. So, that, like you Absolutely. said, man, that's definitely about to be changing real soon. Real quick, when we there got is, and there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of talent here. There is, um, I, I just need like a lot of submissions I get are not are not from the city. I get submissions from around the world, and you know I, I do deal with and I have clients here in Atlanta, but a lot of the clients here. Especially on the urban scene, they just don't have their business together, man. They really don't. And what? that's and, and if you don't have your business together, you're not organized, and you're you're not honest. You're not someone you can trust. It's someone that you know that does get business. They're just not gonna. They're just gonna go to the next person. You know, you you gotta have your business or you gotta be professional because there's if you're not, someone else will be. And they me, and they have everything else in order. Let me ask you this, well, real quick, yeah. real quick. When you say not professional. Let me ask you this, because, of course, we talked to Ross Chaffin, the entertainment attorney. We got Big Gip on the line. He's coming up next. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we're going to ask him a couple of questions, you know, as related to the music actually business. And we're going to ask him other stuff. But here's the thing. When you say you're not organized or whatever, you know, of course, with independent artists and people that are coming up, you know, they may not necessarily always own the track that they're actually submitting to you. A lot of times, again, we we deal, we just talked about leasing beats and how they can come back to haunt a producer or artist. Yeah. How someone can come back and say, no, that's my beat. You didn't have the right to use it, blah, blah, blah. And I know for a fact that being a radio station, and you know, I, I've actually heard artists who, I actually had an argument happening live on the air where two artists actually bought the same beat from the same guy and, the guy, and they were both like, no, that's my beat, that's my beat. And I'm like, bro, it was for a review segment. And both of them had sent the song in with the same track. It's that small. It can happen that quick. So what would you advise an independent artist? What's the number one thing on a business scale in order to get your song synced 
for licensing for TV and film, which is what you do. What's the one thing outside of just it needs to be mixed and mastered properly, which we already t- touched on that. How many people are going to be dis- dis- yeah. disqualified because of that? But what's the one legal thing that you're looking for when you say, hey, when you check this artist out, are you are you worried about are they registered with the PRO? Are you worried about do they own the masters to the song? Are you worried about do they even have access yes. to the Pro Tool files? Because I've 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 done I did a score for a movie last year and I didn't realize how important it was the fact that how important my Pro Tool file for the whole thing that I did was because he almost got me if, if I could have been a, I could have been an unorganized person and just deleted that file and he would have actually lost his distribution for that movie because it ended up being really important that I had the actual Pro Tool file which I didn't know because it was my first time that I had the Pro Tool file that I did for the score for the movie and I, I did of course I didn't delete it but some people are just don't they don't even have the moxie to understand that if you're going to send a song in for a movie or whatever you need to actually have the, the session masters you need to have the track it's a lot of things that you need to have what's the one legal ramification that you can say when someone sends you in music for licensing if they don't have this I'm not even moving forward alright well the first, first thing is ownership you know you, who owns the master who owns the copyright and then that's something Unfortunately, uh, in the urban world, and especially the hip-hop world, um, it's not always clear and, and defined. Um, so, I mean, I, it depends on individual situations. Like you guys uh, brought up earlier, the fact of really what, what a work-for-hire is when you're hiring a producer, you're paying them up front for the record um, and buying the actual actual ownership of the record. You're buying ownership yeah. outright and, and not to work-for-hire. Um, yeah. But a lot of these situations don't, you know, even if these guys, you know, these hip hop producers, they, they make the, the beats, they lease them, they sell them exclusive, whatever. They still, unless unless there's an agreement that says that they they are giving up that ownership right, they still own the record. They still own it. And then you guys got to work out split sheets, and that's something that's unfortunately uh, just not w- well taken care of in, in the urban community, you know. And and the typical split, you know, if it's just one rapper or sing, one singer on a record and 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 uh the producers it, the typical split normally is 50 50 but i mean it all depends on the situation you know it depends on who's contributing much on a record you know and then when the multiple songwriters get involved you know it depends on who's writing the course and who's writing the verses and oh, man. you know what is the producer <laughs> doing but um uh. on top of that you know it on the production end samples Stay away from samples. Thank Stay you. Yeah. I was waiting can. for you to say because, it, Matthew. You know, gotta, we got to clear those samples. <laughs> if, if there's a bunch of samples and they're big samples, it's going to take a lot of money to clear. I'm not going to, you know, it's, I, I'm not going to mess with it. You know, it's just, it's not worth my time. You yes. know, and, and a lot of, a lot of hip hop, it's they just want they just want someone that owns. It's all original material. It's all theirs. You know, in a lot of situations, if it's the same person, if the per, if the same artist made his own beat and rapped on it, recorded it. You know, there's there's artists that are talented enough to mix it and master it themselves and get it done, but not everyone's that way. That's what I'm saying. Whatever areas you're not, you know, in savvy in, find someone who is savvy in those areas. If you have to pay yeah. them, do what you have to do to get it done. Look at it as an investment so you can get a return on your investment, have a finished product you can actually get to, you know, the right hands. Thank you, thank you. The, I was, I was, I was waiting. I didn't even have to ask you. I was waiting for you to say samples, and you nailed it. Thank you, sir. Because I, 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 I know that was really important, and I was going to bring it up. But now that you said it, I want everybody to understand, especially you artists who are, who are getting these beats and these producers who are producing tracks. A lot of producers don't understand if you are producing tracks. 
I understand you want to get it on and you want to get it to the next Lil Wayne or the next Jay-Z or whatever. But at the same time, if you're trying to get to this money or whatever, stop using all those samples. You guys are going to have to go in there and learn some keys. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, go in there and actually produce and something you, from scratch. You know what I'm saying? If they do use samples, you know, contact who owns the sample. You know, if you're using something maybe that's more indie, something that's not, like, huge. Right. You know, contact and see if you're able to clear the sample, you know, if, if, if you know, if, if you're even going to go in that route. You know, don't, yeah, don't, you know, don't, don't to, hop you, on a beat and go and promote it and it's got a huge sample on it and then you're just going to have problems, you know? Right. So they might they they might just want to be added to the split, you know what I'm saying? You might not necessarily even have to pay a sample fee, like you said, depending on the level of the the publisher or writer that is that owns that music, man. So the moral of the story, man, especially hip hop, man. I hope y'all listening, man. We we've heard not only me and Blizzard saying it, but we had two brand new callers on here, man. Hip hop, we gotta start handling our music business, man. Yes, we gotta start handling our music business, people. Real talk. Absolutely. If we just say if you want to make money in this business, now if you just want to do it to just be having fun and you keep doing it how you doing it, but if you on this line right now on this call and you tuning in, man, and you wanting to make money off of your music, you gotta handle your music business, man. So true, so true, and then you gotta look at it just as any other business. Exactly. It's hard for artists to think that way because the majority of them are so right brain heavy. They're so creative. They, they, you know, they're not organized. They're not good business people. You know, majority of them aren't. You know, um, yeah. And it, there are some, you know, that are blessed in both areas. But you know, if, if if you're one of those artists that's not, find somebody that is. You know, it could be a family member, or a brother. Or, you know, or a million. A million. You can friend. highlight mugs a million. <laughs> 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 but now, look, before we get you off of here, though, man, I want to let you run past people, man, about Steel Sync, man, your company that you got that is a music licensing uh, firm, man. Like, tell the people a little bit about what you got going on with that and how and if it's possible for them to connect with you and get some music your way, man, for some of these opportunities that might be out there for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, besides the limitless placement, we've had uh, placement number two box office film, The Family, with also De Niro. Um, you had uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Michelle Pfeiffer on there. And not just that, but I mean, like, the one thing, I, I mean, I've always, since a kid, I've loved movies. Like, one thing, you know, I don't, I don't really talk much about, but my parents actually owned a video store growing up. You know, I rent a video store rental place. So I've, I've loved movies as a kid. So this is like, this is what I love doing, you know, and I just naturally gravitated towards it. But yeah. uh, I'm going a little off topic there. But um, the fact is, is that the, one of the biggest directors in the industry reached out to me and us and wanted to use their song like six months prior to the project, paid us in advance. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean... Luke Benson, uh, the guy that did, you know, Fifth Element, The Professional. Um, he just recently did Lucy. Uh, huge, huge, huge director. Um, so that's one of the, I mean, of course, the money's good and everything like that. But, I mean, it's just to be able to work with these, these kind of people um, that you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're fans of their work is, is, is such an honor. Um, but, you know, tons of, we've had tons of television show placements. Um, We've had uh, a major placement in Parks and Recreation. It was the hundredth episode there. It was used in the promo of the show. Um, the people are not used to the term promo, like the commercial, like the 
ad for the show to promote that certain episode. Um, yeah. And we've also had stuff like the Sons of Anarchy, you know, like Breaking Bad, and tons of shows on MTV and VH1, a um, bunch of reality shows and things like that. That's just kind of, you know, day-to-day money that keeps stuff coming and keeps the lights on and everything. Um, but, you know, we've had a lot of uh, indie film placements and things like that. And I'm constantly, you know, meeting new people. I go out there uh, on an almost daily basis. I'm, I'm out at film screenings meeting independent directors. You know, I'm out meeting these music supervisors face-to-face and interacting with them. Um, so the best way, really, you know, is to email me. And that's uh, Matthew Steele. And Matthew is spelled with one T. That's M-A-T-H-E-W. Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E. That's with an E on the end. At Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E. Sync, S-Y-N-C. Dot com. And if you visit the website, the same, steelsync.com. Same, same uh, handle, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and um, I'm actually on there responding to people and things like that. So, um, I, you know, I'm looking out for everybody. All right. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I man, really you've been posting some good stuff on your Facebook, too, lately, man. I've been seeing a lot of your motivational and, and giving out a lot of good tips, too, man. So, y'all definitely find Matthew Steele at Steel Sync, man. At Steel Sync on his social medias, man. And y'all check him out, man. He got some good stuff going on for y'all. All right. Thank you, Matthew Steele. We really appreciate it, brother. Please hang around if you can. And I really appreciate it. Make sure you contact him. Hell, I'm going to contact you. What are you talking about? <laughs> Matthew Steele. Yes, Steel Sync. All Thanks, right. guys. It's an honor. Absolutely, man. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead and move along. We're, we're running a little bit late, but we're right on time. You dig? <laughs> This is K100 Radio. K100Radio.com, 347-934-0966. That's the number to dial into the show. And coming up, we got an OG in the game. I really appreciate this brother taking his time out of his busy schedule to come through and really yes. share some yes, life uh, experiences. about. We've, we've had an entertainment attorney. We've had music publishing. Now we've got somebody who's lived the life, who's really been out there on a very, very, very super high level. And we've got Big Gip coming to K100 Radio right now. Welcome to the broadcast, brother. <laughs> How y'all doing? Man, welcome to the What's show, going man. On, man. Yes, sir. Hey. hey, I'm here, man. It's snowy outside. It's cold, Jack. Hey, what's up? Man? <laughs> well, I, I know, you know what? This guy doesn't need any introduction. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that are listening to K1's radio right now. You know what I'm saying? And I'm hoping everybody came here to learn and everything. But some people, I'm pretty sure some people are just fans of your work and your music. You know what I'm saying? Of course, I am. You know, I got to be totally honest with you. Um, uh, you know, I, I, the Outkast, Goody Mob, Music Movement, LA, Fa- uh, LA Reed, LaFace, all that stuff. All that stuff is, is some of the things that attracted me to Atlanta. I'm not a, I'm not born and raised here. I'm a transplant, but I've been here for about 20 years now. I came here in 1996. And so, you know, you guys were Whoa. instrumental. You guys were instrumental in actually making me say, hey, man, I want to go up there and visit. And when I came up here and visited, I was like, hey, man, I want to stay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up, yes, <laughs> I got a baby mama from East Point and Riverdale, bro. So I'm all the way in. You know what I'm saying? Hey, <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, hey, um, but listen, though, no, no, absolutely, man. But no, really, I, I, I got to say this because I was really glad that you answered my call, brother. And, and you know, you, this is probably one of the most humble people that I've actually met that's actually done as much as he's done in the music industry. And I really wanted to get Big Gip on the line tonight because I've heard you speak 
about three or four times already at just being at music events i was at the uh the uh, the schweinbeck event when you and uh dj toon was up there i was at the uh producers awards that you was over there over at crow's nest and one other place and I, every time you speak oh it was a uh, p brown's event over there for the uh record pool and every time you got on the mic mm-hmm. bro you just said some profound shit that i felt like everybody needs to hear but only the people in the room could hear it at that time but with k One radio you can listen to this all over the world right now so i was like i've got to get this guy to say what he says when he speaks to the people we know about the music you know we know who you are we know you're great but when you speak about the industry lately every time i saw it bro you were just dropping jewels and i said man, i gotta get gib on the air because i want people from all over to hear some of the things that you've been saying so that's my i want to tell everybody right now this this of course i'm a fan of good i'm a fan of music but this was about the jewels that he's been giving out that i've seen him giving out here lately over the past year or two at live events where he's a guest of honor and he just gets on the mic and says some shit and you be like damn you know what i'm saying everybody needs to hear what he just said you know i know everybody knows cell therapy but you need to hear what he just said right then you know what i'm saying and that's why you're on the show right now brother you know i I got i'm telling you straight up that's why because i was like man get me dropping so many jewels i just want to make sure he get on the line with us and tell our people the stuff that he's been saying yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah so yeah yeah where you want to start well, let's go ahead. Let's let's go. But before, I'll let I'll let Mugs. I'll let the official host of the of the conference call. I'll let him go first, and I got my questions lined up. But Mugs, what would you ask Gip for the people? Yeah, man. All right, man. This Mugs a million, man. Definitely a pleasure, man, to be on the line with you, man. Chopping it up right now on this platform with K one hundred Radio and the mic, my music, the music industry conference call. Um, man. Where do you start, man? What could you not ask Big Gip? You know what I'm saying, though, man? For one, man, just congratulations mm-hmm. on all the success that y'all guys done did, man. It paved the way for not only Atlanta, man, but for hip-hop music in the South and, and beyond, man. For real, for real, man. Round of applause Thank for you. that, though. Um, you, man, as an artist, man, when, when, you know, back in the... Before the LaFace record, man, because we got a lot of independent artists checking in, you know what I'm saying? And Goody Mar, y'all was one of them ones, man, and still is to this day, man, that I believe y'all's niche was y'all's originality, man. Like, what what kind of zone did y'all get yourselves in, man, or you even in particular? Even out of Goody Mar, like, even Big Kip, like, you just found that way to stand out and just continue to stay original. You know, like, you was really the... When Nelly never did the grill song, they came to holler that big gift because Grip really put the grill on the map. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Gip been, yeah. been there, done that. You know what I'm saying? Though, like, people don't yeah. really peep out there. So, like, what could you say to the independent artists, man, as far as the importance of originality, man, and, like, sticking to yourself instead of conforming to the trends and the fast that's going on in the industry, man, at, at, at certain times? I think that right now, you know, the first thing, and I think the golden rule that I think that kept me in the game, first of all, was the almighty rule of hip-hop, man. And that was that was no biting. Like, when yeah. I first started doing hip-hop in 86, 87, you know what I mean? That was the first thing that, you know, first of all, I got to tell y'all that Ray Murray from Organized Noise, that's who taught me how to rap. That's, okay. who, taught, that's who taught 3000 how to produce, DJ how to produce, Reek how to produce. And yeah. he was also... When you hear 3000, that's 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 Ray Murray original style. Gotcha. So 
So, so you gotta understand. I was taught by a hip hop enthusiast that when that dude moved to East Point in '87, he was a senior at Mays High School. He was one of the original five kings from the West End. If you remember, if you go over in the West End, you will see spray painted five kings on the wall. Been seeing that since the early, like late '80s. Like okay. he was like he was like one of the first original cats that was doing the hip hop music. The hip-hop drawings, like in New York, he spray-painted everything. So when I was taught the, the world of hip-hop, I was taught from the actual cloth of hip-hop. You know what I mean? Gosh, it's, right. It's got to be about... It, it, it's just like when I when I saw this interview with Rakim and KRS-One about a, about a month ago. And KRS-One asked Rakim, he said, man, how did you come up with your style? He said, I used to listen to jazz music. And the mm. way that the music and the way that the horns went against each other, that's how I learned how to write against a beat. And I nice. said, man, do you understand how how intricate that is for somebody to be that the whole thing of hip-hop was to learn how to write against something? So that's just like when, you, when I listen to a beat, <clears throat> I have never, you can go and listen to all the thousands of songs I did. I have never done or duplicated myself on a record. Right. Gotcha. Because you never rapped like, on the same I've only, did, I've only did Black Ice once. Right. I've only gotcha. did Get Up, Get Out, and Get Some once. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's what I think. That the, that's the thing with with the music industry right now that I think that the internet has cut so many, uh, so many planes out of the game that a person... It's just like, now, when I came up, we didn't have beats on our phone. We didn't even have a phone. Yeah. We didn't have Fruity Loops. You know what I mean? We didn't have a way of learning how to do this without actually putting in the time and the work. Right. So, yeah. you know, all the experiences of uh, uh, of when LaFace was there and when the first people out of our crew that got a deal was parental advisory. That was KP. That was Reese. That was Big Melo. You know what yeah. I mean? So that was the first time that the actual industry was in our crew. From there, you went from from to Outcast. Do you know that all that time that, that that we was all we was always all there? But at sometimes that's when we used to go to go to Boss Town, which is now Stankonia, and we couldn't go inside. Mm. We, had to sit, we had to sit outside, and Reek then would go inside, and they would go in there and do the thing. That's when we just would sit outside and just the amazement of being at an actual studio. But yeah. We took as much <laughs> pride in, in just being in the parking lot as being inside. Right. Yeah. And I think that people do this. People do hip-hop now. They can get into hip-hop now because it's easy. Yeah. And I just That's feel true. like with the, the first time I ever stepped on stage, was on Stewart Avenue, me, Ray Murray, and we was opening up for Sammy Sam, the Hitman, for Big Oom Records. First time I ever been on stage, 88, nice. 88, 89. And from that time, I always knew, I said, man, the only way for people to recognize us and see us is to, first of all, be original in the way that we're going to come about and the way that we do our rap and our music. And yeah. what we look like. See, I was always a fan of the wrestlers. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, yeah. Stuff, when people used to ask me, like, <laughs> yeah, man, where you get your style from? And I was like, dude, when I was coming up, 
I didn't I didn't get to see Brucey Collins and and George Clinton and stuff like that till I was grown. So yeah. where I got my where I got my star stuff from was actually watching watching wrestling. Right. Yeah, to the wrestling, yeah. Johnny Seventeen in Atlanta and watching Rick Flair and all them kind of dudes always come out and every week they would have something different on. And now and the first time we performed in New York, I mean when we did uh Outcast, they they first album dropped in April in New York. And I remember us the this dude asked, he said, Get why you dress that way? I said I said, Because y'all might not be able to understand our dialect all real good at that time. <laughs> but I said, let me tell you something. You might not understand us, but you're going to remember what we look like. Come on now. Right. So, yes, I always felt, so I always felt like, hey, man, as long as I get your attention, I'm saying some shit that you ain't got. I'm saying some shit you ain't, got, you ain't heard. And I'm sure that I'm saying some shit you ain't never heard a guy that looked like me see. You know what yeah. I mean? So for me to have that at the time, you know, like, you got to understand, like, first time I saw, like, I always knew all the members of Goody Mob. I always knew all of them because, like, CeeLo, he was young. He ran with my brother. They they all twined the 3,000 drapes, uh, 3,000 big, and, and CeeLo, they all the same age. So they always ran with my brother. So I met Lo a few times that came through. He came through about the weed from me. So I was like, okay, little buddy, right? So <laughs> the next time I see him, we at, we at my partner house, Glean Cookhouse on the west side, and him and Cujo were battling. And that mm. was the first that was, and I knew back then, like, Joe Style, is, Joe Style still is unorthodox. You know what I mean? Joe has always been our Raekwon, our Ghostface. He's always yeah, been there. Yeah. If you ain't from Atlanta, you ain't gonna understand Cujo, because he, he, he is the trap. <laughs> he, right. he, is what, he is what all these rappers talk about, what all these rappers what they whole career is trap. That come from Kuzo Goody. That was his way yeah. of doing rap music and his natural way of being that at that time. So this reminds me saying, "Hey man, watching these two rap. I know Kuzo. I don't. I never seen Low perform or seen nothing. And just imagine him and Kuzo battling, and Low break out and start singing. Mm. I, said, well, shit, I ain't never seen that. That was <laughs> yeah. nineteen yeah. Right." That yeah. was nice. So I said, wow. I said, I ran back to the dungeon. I said, hey, man, Reek. I said, Ray, it's this cat over there on the other side. He's singing rap. Ray was like, bring him to me. So just imagine all this going on at the time. CeeLo shows up at the dungeon. 3,000. He comes over to the dungeon. He stays one night. He say fuck school and everything. He, he ain't going back to school. Nothing. He's staying at the dungeon. <laughs> That's crazy. That's what's up. <laughs> you know, Big had to go to school because, or he would have had to go back to Savannah. So from, from that day forth, man, we always sit around and we said, man, how can we, how can we be better than everybody? And first thing Ray said is, we ain't using no sample. Wow. We ain't doing nice. no sample. Right. That was the first thing they said. He said, we're going to build a Dungeon family off music. He said, Man. because he said, the producers in New York, and he knew at the time, he said, the producers in New York, sooner or later, they're going to cut their they arms off. We was like, mm. what you mean? He said, because that sampling stuff, shit, man, they ain't making no money. The people coming there, and they taking 100% of the publishing. Yeah. So you're doing, songs. you're doing songs for free. 
You know what I mean? So I yeah. said, so then that's when we started actually recording and doing things that always wanted. We had Preston. We had all of the greatest musicians in Atlanta in one room. All the stuff that y'all hear over the years, and I tell people all the time, I say, man, we didn't do the email and back and forth where people do now, them do songs. We didn't do that. Right. We said, and we made it up from scratch. And and, and, and if you think about this, man, we as a crew, we never even did other music with people. We didn't, nothing, we didn't want nothing that we were doing to be tainted by outside entities. It was like, shit, from our first album, we had been turning down Fuji's. We had turned down Eric Sermon. Wow. We had turned down Timberland. Wow. We had turned down uh, Puff. People don't know that Puff was the first, he was the director of, of, of Players Ball. That was the first time we met Puff. He showed up with L.A. at the dungeon. And we was right. like, yo, this is the clone. He's going to shoot the video. And we was like, shit, what makes him get down? <laughs> <laughs> Why him, He huh? don't know us. <laughs> he don't know us. But at the same time, he was able to put that thing together. But at the same time, he was able to come around us and take a little bit. Mm, good. That's when we first started. That's when we first started recognizing, like, oh, man, we doing something. Big got on the Kango now. Big was partying bullshit, Big. Right. Wearing hockey yeah. jersey. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But after he came down to the to the Southern Playerist of Cadillac Gold Party in Atlanta with Puff, oh boy, they yeah. love about to hear both Wayne Kango. <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's, that's what we knew. We yeah. said, hey man, we got something special. And I'm going to tell you this too, man, and it's, it's funny because it's like, just to go back, just let's go back to sales there for our first record. Our first record to come out. We got banned. Yeah. We got banned, we got banned by MTV. We got damn near banned almost by BET. But the only thing Man. that kept us straight was because we used to go to Teen Summit every weekend. And we would get on we would get on Teen Summit and we would talk about what was sales therapy. That was right. the first time anybody had ever talked about Illuminati. That was the first time that anybody had ever said it's a secret society on record. Uh. And we was able to we was able to get that information to our people at that time. Well Pop called us soon as he Pop Pop got locked up. He, he was locked up and Pop had called us all, uh, me against the world out. He had called us when he got locked up in jail, and he said, "Hey, man, I've been in here listening to this shit, man. Like, when I get out, we got to get together." Mm, that's what's you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I always knew, you know, like that the the keys of the game was always about being original. And you know how I got in the game? I say this too. Like in my neighborhood in East Point, it was a lady called Jean Con. If you never heard of her, she was like one of the biggest stars in the seventies from Atlanta. Her, uh, Gladys Knight, and Patti LaBelle all stayed together in Philadelphia. Well, okay. she would come back home to Atlanta. She was the one. She was the one that first. She had a song in the in the eighties that was real big. Me as a kid, I got to meet. Uh, Stevie Wonder in my neighborhood. I got to meet New Edition. I got to meet Pivo Bryson. 
I got to meet uh, Gladys Knight. I got to meet actual artists as a child. Yeah. And and my best friend Joseph, her son, his first his his what 13, 14, 14 year old birthday, he had his birthday with the Jackson Five at the Fulton County Stadium. That's crazy. Uh, so I was able that's to that's what I saw right there. As a kid, I was able to be right up next to the entertainers and the business of it all. I was drawn to it, and I was drawn to it because I said, "Hey, man, it's a way." That I can express myself and not and not express myself in a negative way, because you know, like the difference between Goody Mob and and Outkast is that the age difference, and that we were the goons, we was the ones that protected them. Right. When 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 on the first album, when they, if you go, if the first album, you can go back to some of our first appearances together. We were all together. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? We were we was right there with Outkast, just like they was. You know what I mean? So. For me, it's always been about protecting the art, man. Protecting, uh, protecting Atlanta. Protecting what we yeah. can. Because when I sit right here now, I can't, I can't get mad at where the game is gone. Because you got to look, man. You know, a lot of times people ask me, they say, "Give, man, why you don't move or do certain things anymore?" It's like because you gotta, you gotta understand, bro. Like, I actually had actual friends that had died from this game. Mm. So, so for me, doing music is, 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 is more than is, is my life. It's not a business to me. Mm. And, you know, after, after this game went corporate, you know, I tell people all the time, man, the mixtapes and all that kind of business, it's always been cool to me, it, you know what I mean? But I also would tell people all the time the mixtapes is what killed New York hip hop. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, hell. Yeah. <laughs> I said and, that and too. I, and, I said that I was called a hater, Gip. Listen, I, I've, 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 I've said this so many times. I've got into arg- physical arguments, I've got into arguments <laughs> on the air. I've had people call me a hater on social media. People will fuck K100 radio. Yeah. A lot of things because I told people, because I, I, I never, I, even though I liked mixtapes, I like the notion of the old idea of mixtapes where you just actually get a couple of songs from different people, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, kind of put on a little compilation. But, but, but when we started calling albums where you got a whole tape of all original music from a rapper and it's all original music and you giving it away because the DJ's talking on top of it and that's, that's an album with somebody talking on it. It's not a mixtape. When y'all start changing the whole game and start giving all y'all content away for free. I said, y'all, hey, man. It, you took it too far. And I've been called a hater. I've been called, you know, if I, if I call some DJ out or whatever, uh, it, it's been, you know, I, I, threats of blackballing me as an, as an artist and a producer outside of K1. It's been a lot oh, of man. stuff that come with being vocal about this mixtape game because it's so many DJs who ate off the mixtape game. You feel me? And DJs do yeah. indeed help break records. That is, it was damn near dangerous for me to even say that kind of shit. But you can say it because you were OG. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end, but, the, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's on. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. I'm here. I'm here. I said, at the end of the day, you know what it is, though. Uh, you got to think about this. Our first, our first album, our first album. We recorded Soul Food in Curtis Mayfield House. Okay. Okay. Curtis Mayfield was in his house while we record. 
Mm. One thing that he told us, he said, hey, man, he said, have they come at y'all about a publishing deal yet? I mm. said, no, sir. He said, let me tell you something. He said, I've been in the game over 40 years. He said, I ain't never had a publishing deal. Nice. Said, at the end of the day, a publishing deal is for you to, that's when you saying you cashing out. Mm-hmm. That's when you were supposed to go through the mailbox like a person that retired from from an actual job. Uh-huh. And he said, okay. "Now, now, okay. So now, if you look at today's game, when half the artists, it's only been one artist in the past five years that's been able to take that mixtape game to another level. That's Drake. Mm-hmm. Outside of Drake, weekend, but." It's a million motherfucking tapes come out every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing I want to say to the DJs, man. This is this is this is where, you know, and rest in peace to Big Cap, man. I've been with that man the whole time I was ever in the music game. First time I seen Big, I seen Big Cap, man. So rest in peace to LG, man. Absolutely. Got up out of here this week. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But I want to say this, man. Uh when you look at the music game right now, most of the people that are actually the powerful people of the music game, they're getting out of the music game. Mm. And what they're doing now is starting publishing houses. Yeah. See, the business now is that all oh, y'all niggas that did so much free music, hip-hop ain't valuable no more. Uh-oh. Well... Hip-hop ain't valuable no more. Because well. first of all, we got the DJs. Let's start at the DJs. No the DJs shit. have got into this shit. Well, they have started making money from it. So now uh, they they kind of usher in these new places and these mm-hmm. new artists. Right? Right. But at the same time, the DJs are not keeping the rules of being a DJ. Mm. Mm-hmm. New York Red Dash. 
And I'm I'm like, okay, so now look at it now today. Don't you got all these artists out here. Mother out here got them making thousands of dollars. The artists are straight tell me, I don't give a damn about putting no album. I just wanna put a song out and go make some money. Mm. Like, man, you cannot intermingle the game of the streets and this damn record industry. Oh man! And I think partly partly the blame for this is artists not being actually uh, good and DJs <laughs> being greedy. Uh, because yeah. yeah, I can tell you, I can tell you this: the whole BMF Jesus thing that started in Atlanta was started Nando. Nando, when I first met Nando, Nando was a little cute. Look. Look, a very, very calm dude used to dance at the Kaya. That's how I met Nando when he first came from Virginia. Next thing I know, Nando is in Magic City and Meech giving him $1,000 to play records. Mm. See, when that shit started, that fucked up That fucked up all the work of the elders. Because, you know, when, when you start paying DJs to play songs, it gets sticky. Because at the end of the day, still, ain't nobody been able to have no movement since Jeezy and Nando. But then I tell people this. Well, hey, man, we stopped going to the Grammys after T.I. You know why? Because what happened, the, music, the, mu- the, the music, the music has become so drug-related that if you ain't yeah. even involved with that shit, that shit is... Uh, a different language. That's a foreign language. Me, just that I stay in music, that's great. But at the end of the day, when I look at it, I say, man, look at what they did to hip-hop. They banished groups like Public Enemy to the road. Right. Yeah, exactly. even, though, even though Public Enemy, when I was coming up, was selling more records. And, and Public Enemy was the first group that went platinum in a week. Off it takes a nation of media to hold us back. That's mm. when I knew that knowledge sold. Right. After that, I was like, hey, man, that's what I want to do. <laughs> right. Uh, what's up? You know what I mean? I I, I'm, I, I don't want to be L.L. Cujo. I let Nelly do that. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? You, when you think of certain artists, you like, damn. So just imagine me, man, that I've known all the original the original architects of this game on here, and I can sit back and I can watch and see. And I can look at 50 Cent and be like, damn, like, I first heard of you. They said you got shot nine times. I had never heard your music. But that's all they gave to me when I first heard about you was you got shot nine times. Right. Yeah. Just look now, once after 50 came, the whole shit of us being knowledge and being knowledgeable stopped. And, and shit, man, like, I ain't tripping off DJs. Not, I want them to support the artist that you can't hear. But, dude, when when you're just supporting the neighborhood drug dealer that it came through and then recorded some shit because he wanted to and, he, and you take his money, to me, at the end of the day, you have devalued yourself. Right. Mm. Period. You have devalued the art. If only one DJ Khaled, if that shit really paid, why are they more DJ Khaled? It's only one. 
Man. Think about it. He's only he one keeping it real, day. boy. He hey. keeping it real, boy. <laughs> That's why I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I, I was gonna let him keep talking. I got. I, I got. I got one specific he, he question. He's keeping it real. Listen, uh, I, I was. I, like I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to <laughs> even get in, in involved because you know what I'm saying. I just had to make sure I said that one part when he brought up the DJ because I was like, uh, yeah, preaching to the choir over here because you know what I'm saying. We we both feel the same way about that guilt. I got one question for you though. If you can give a jewel to the artist, just just. Right now, off the top of your head, we already talked about how being unoriginal, you know what I'm saying, is just, just even though right now it's kind of hard to try to tell some of these young guys that, still, I feel like we've already established it, and you said enough tonight to, to make it clear that being unoriginal is not the way to uh, have longevity you in the game. You won't last. You, you won't last. But what's the, what's, the, what's the worst thing that an artist can do? Not, not just outside of being unoriginal. I'm talking about a physical act. I'm talking about you know, something that they can actually physically do or, you know, an action that they can do in the game that you've seen really kill an artist's career right before it started. Or even if they was already big, you see, you, you seen this one person, oh, it could be getting on drugs. It could be, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, fighting with a label executive. What's one thing you just want to tell an artist, man, whatever you do, if you ever get in there, boy, don't do that. Give me one. Yeah. Okay. First of all, you know, I, I can't say this. Coming up under the tutelage of L.A. Reed and Babyface at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, first thing that I would tell the artist is uh, one thing you don't do is that you keep your personal business out the face of the people who handling your business. Mm. Good. Mm. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Because look at the game right now, man. If I look at the game right now, everybody dope is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Everybody, everybody dope is too. Like, like, yeah, like. Yeah. I don't care what nobody say. Like, I'm like, hey man, understand this. In 1993, 94, when Big said the X makes the sex spectacular, niggas didn't even know what he was talking about because in the black community, niggas didn't take pills. Right. Period. Come yeah, on it now. was old school. It was old school. It was some old Bobby Brown reefer. But people, people <laughs> be like, nigga, I'll take aspirin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't even like medicine too much. Yes, <laughs> okay, so, so now in night two, 2016, damn near 95% of the artists, you walk into the room, you're going to say, hey, just, they say, big bro, what you want to do? Okay, how we going to do it? We're going to put the song together. Okay, what we going to talk about? Oh, shit, big bro, I'm just going to pull up some of this lean, hit this goddamn strong pack, my nigga, <laughs> and I might do something. I might goddamn crush up some of these bad pills, man, and I'm going to do this in 90 okay, seconds. Well, okay, well, uh, well, how we going to start? What's the, what's the song about? Oh, bro, all right. All right, yippee. I just go in there and just say two, three words, stop. Play the music, say two, three words. I'm like, my God, this ain't, this ain't motherfucking music. This is bullshit to me. Like, like to me. Yeah, I'm yeah. To me. Because I'm like, my nigga, I'm telling you, when the dope wear off, you ain't going to be no good. You're going to be, getting, your body going to be tall. 60 seconds. Time, you ain't going to be able to do that music like you used to. Just look around at the artists in the game right now. That when they made their best music high, they can't do it no more when they ain't got it. Right. Yeah, that's real. That's real tough. Uh. Look around. Look around. Some of some of your most popular rappers right now. They got off that first album with the cup in their hand. But shit, what's been going on ever since? See, now it's like, damn. Okay, everybody got a cup. Okay, damn. Everybody talk about the pills. Okay, damn. Where I'm left? 
Yeah, nigga, because you don't represent nothing. So how you gonna be here? How you gonna be here to represent something? Ah, uh, ah. Uh. See, when I'm in the studio, you know. So you gotta understand, man. The reason they ain't been able to kill us because they didn't make us. Right. Real talk. Ten seconds. That's the difference, my dude. I tell people all the time, I say, man, you know, Goody Mob was not. Goody Mob didn't leave this motherfucker. Goody Mob was dispelled. Goody Mob was shut down, just like Public Enemy. That's real we, talk. We, I, we, I we, always, that. we always sold 700, 800,000 records, period. That was bomb. <clears throat> Every Goody Mob record that came out is platinum, double platinum, or whatever the fuck. We was the first <clears throat> to sell knowledge from the South. Right. So at the end of the day, I could. I could never jump off that. I could never jump off. See, I'm already a marked man. I've been a marked man. Niggas be like, yeah, you bigger than your music. You know why? Because I talk. Right. You know why? Yeah. I ain't, you know why? Because I ain't no hoe about no money. I don't care nothing about that. I ain't do music for money. If you go back and look at most of them, uh, most of that stuff when I was young, we didn't even wear jewelry. We were the jury takers. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Get you know real, I mean? bro. <laughs> we, we, we took jury. We, we took we, man, who you think was the law in these streets? Man, when, they, when people used to come to Atlanta and try and play us like we ain't that, we ain't this. Huh? Come here, let me talk to you. Yeah. Now, I took the incident all the time where one time we was, we was in Nashville and all of us was off stage and we, 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 uh, we, we were rehearsing for the show. Also, who yeah. was on the, on the show was Bad Boy. Mm-hmm. So just imagine all of us on the stage. I'm talking about from Witch Doctor, Big Woo, King, uh, Cool Green, all of us. We about 15, 20 deep. And Bad Boy walk in and Puff come in and say, Hey, man, y'all niggas get out the stage, man. New York in this bitch, man. Bad Boy. Huh? <laughs> hey, check this out, player. Right. Check this out, player. When y'all come off this stage, we going to deal with you. And when they came out that back and came out that back door, we was all lined up with chains, bats, sticks, all kind of shit. Like we gonna beat y'all ass and let y'all know we ain't the <laughs> niggas y'all play with like this. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. A lot of people don't know about that part. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that story. Yeah, <laughs> right, that was my all time suit in Nashville. I'm glad y'all got to set the record straight, man. That's what's oh, up, bro. man. We, we was in Nashville <laughs> set the record straight, man. Went right over there. <laughs> got me one of them fish sandwiches. Yeah, spirit. I love Nashville. I love. Let me ask you this, Gib. I and, see and, that, and that's and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, man, my brother do this music, man. Like, understand this. Future is our baby. I tell people this all the time. Future, our baby. Future was a little boy when we was doing all these first albums. He was a little boy in the Reek house. You can go back to even when Reek put out the Connect album. Future was there. Future always been here. So I tell people all the time. Man, that's an act. That's a, if that boy got high like that, how he putting out so much music? Mm. Uh-oh. Yeah. You can, you Come on now, keep it like real. You, you can't get high like that and do music. <laughs> I know. I do it. I do it. So, yeah. so, so what Future learned from us is like, ooh, okay, grab your lane and run in your lane and don't stop. Whether, what, as long as you real about what you're doing, Niggas gonna bite. So he's been able to pull it off, but at the same time, I tell people, I say, man, 
he doing what he's supposed to do. But at the same time, you can't ask every artist to have an opinion or to be a leader. Mm-hmm. That's on us. Oh, that, that's on us. And simply that's on us because I went to school with Andy Young kids. I went to school with Buzzy and all that, Maynard Jackson's son. I went to school with all these dudes. So you got to understand, I, I think has always, man, I tell you, I remember one time we had a show in Detroit. We was doing the Roosevelt where Eminem shot eight miles. And this little kid, this little kid walked up to me. He said, yep. He said, do y'all have telephones down there in the South? <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> 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 Yeah, bro. Like, like anything that's up here, we got down there. But you still got to remember at the time that we came through, man, we were so awkward. We were so awkward because as soon as we walk in, it's like, them niggas is not from around here. That nigga Gil got on some monkey fur pants. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and these niggas talking about sales therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, and our way of getting people attention is also what he's using. He's using what the culture is to motherfucking get the culture to buy into his music. I said he's just smart because he's been around us to know how to cultivate an idea all the way from A to Z. That's why it's working for him. But then when you look at the numbers today, he come out, he sell a hundred and some fifty, fifty some thousand. Young Thug sells seventeen thousand. Mm. You know That's what I mean? Correct. So when you look, yeah. when you look at stuff right right now, you say, okay. Man, when I sold records, you sold records. You had to go to the ghetto. You had to go to the to the ghetto. You had to go to the country. You had to go to the city. It's like, hey man, Steve Boy music ain't gonna make it outside of 285 at this point. Right. <laughs> Atlanta, Atlanta is turning into what New York was in the nineties. What New York turned into in the late nineties. See, it became a bubble. Well, shit, long as I'm hiding got down to Tri-State, I don't give a damn about nothing else. Yeah, but. <laughs> right. It's yeah, bigger than you that. You know why? It's because, hey, that. man, the Tri-State, boy, that ain't number two, three states. Man, I got the whole South, the whole Midwest, and the West Coast I'm fucking with. Right. So I say that, I say that because it's the mind frame of artists do music in. If you ain't doing nothing to touch the world, you won't be here, partner. Do you think that me being here for 20 years, and do you think it was because of a record or it's because I know how to move? Yeah. I can tell you stories. Look, look, man. My best friend, Pimp C. Talked to him the night before they found him in the hotel. My other, uh-huh. best, friend was, my other best friend was Soldier Slim. Me and Soldier Slim was in New York the night, the same week he got killed. We ran, we ran, New, ran around New York, ran up in a funk master flex party, and flex got mad because Soldier Slim was like, "Nigga, why you don't play no sound music? Nigga, Master P, hot." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? so, right. So you gotta understand. Okay, you go from there. You know what I mean? Like I've lost friends in this shit, man. So for me, when I'm seeing all this. All this is going on in the music business right now. Ain't nobody selling shit. If you took the IGs away and Twitter away, shit, y'all be selling 5,000 copies. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Y'all can't buy five thousand. You take <laughs> you take them you take them two things away. No, ain't no record company got no street teams no more. None. Mm. Zero. And, and you know what I mean? Zero. Saying, okay, so net net a record label and the artists on IG to push the record. We get Oh up. man, that's all the way. You know what I mean? So think about this. When I tell people this, they say give. Oh yeah, I gotta give a shout out to my homeboy KP. We went to his party last night. He been he got a Grammy. Yeah, congratulations! Yeah, congratulations on that. I saw that with the Grammy nomination, man. And KP, yeah, man. man, that's what's I up. Didn't, I didn't know, but my brother say he said, "Give you know I'm the one right." It's going to be all right. I say only a nigga from the Dungeon family going to say something like that. <laughs> hey, hey, let's get it. That's what's up. You know what I mean? So for me, okay, when I look at music right now, I say, ain't nobody selling no music. Uh, the mixtape game has really been killed. Last nigga to get off the mixtape game with DJ Drama. You know what I mean? Ain't been no more yeah. big mistakes or whatever since him and his runner. Yeah. So when I'm looking at it like that, I'm saying, okay, now record companies instead of wanting to put the album out, they want to put an EP out. Mm. So understand this. When I look at an artist like Yo Gotti, okay, let's look at an artist like Yo Gotti. Yo Gotti, good money on the road. Yo Gotti ain't never sold no record. Yeah. He never saw no record. But do you think it matters? Yeah. Do you, but do you think that matters now, Gil? Do you think that matters? Like, do you think, like, I know a lot of artists don't even care no more. I'm not, I'm not from this new world. I'm uh-huh. from a whole nother world, my dude. Like, to me, an album is supposed to be the truth. Right. If I can't sell a post in the album, I don't need to be doing no music. All I'm still right. a rookie to me. Right. Like, Anybody, I got, and okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so think about it, an artist like Yo Gotti. If you took the idea away and all that kind of shit, like, do you th- is DM going to sell? Do you think it's going to sell? Or do you think they just going to play it? No, they're gonna play it. No, no one's gonna buy it. I don't think. I, but I don't okay. think. He, I don't think he made okay. it to buy. I think he made it. Besp- I think. I think now. I look at it now. It's like, yo, cats is making songs that they know nobody's gonna buy. They go, they're gonna make songs to make. It go viral on the internet that 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 can like a song, especially a song like DM. Like I think Gotti and people like that, and make a, you make a song like that, and you got that kind of buzz like that. You made that song just for IG and just for Facebook okay. and just for Twitter because okay. that's what's popping. You know what well, I mean? Well, I, well, this is my thing. Uh-huh. I ain't never made music. I ain't never made music to appease nobody. So at the end of the day, the reason why two albums only went platinum this year, J. Cole, for telling the truth, not no features, no nothing. You ain't never see you ain't never see one time Mr. Jay Z with his arm around him and, and giving him that light like how he did uh uh, uh Kanye West. Right. Now, do you see that? Right. Let's see. Let's look at the bigotry in the game that's still in the fucking game. Right. If that boy was from anywhere else. He would have been looked at as a motherfucker. That nigga sold a platinum record, no features, and he produced it. Yeah. Then he would have been looked at as one of the great. Right. Let's go over yeah. here to Kendrick. Let's go over here to Kendrick. Kendrick, it would have never worked if he didn't have Dr. Dre in the beat. He never had... He, when you listen to the first thing, I was in L.A. I've been in L.A. five, six years now. So you got to look. I'm in L.A. and I'm like, damn, they're not playing his record. They're not playing. They're not playing poor drink. My little girl telling me about it. She's like, yo, Kendrick mixtapes 
better than his album, Pop. I said, for real? Mm. She's like, yeah, he that. She like, his mixtape's way better than his album because she was going to school in L.A., so she was hearing his stuff. So I said, okay. But then when I listened to his new album, I was like, God damn, that's that good, Mom. Yes. I said, this boy, he, when he finished this last, when he finished that first album, first person he called was 3,000. Dr. Drake called 3,000, went to the studio and heard it. Mm-hmm. He came back, he said, that boy, that boy rapping. That boy rapping, he's saying some shit. So look at look at the artists this year we got represent. Kendrick Lamar, eleven Grammy nominations. I voted for Man, him. See, look at that. <laughs> I voted for see, him. <laughs> see, see, my thing, what Kendrick and what J. Cole do, J. Cole, that's good in all. Kendrick, that's outcast in the modern time. True yeah. story. Right. True story. I you like- go and listen to you go and listen to J. Cole album, that's good in all. That's family. That's Man, talking about the community, how I grew up, I'm a normal kid, and no drugs, I'm just a normal kid. That's good, mom. Over there, with Kendrick, same thing. Boy, that boy, you could tell, boy, you a child of 3,000. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You a child of 3,000, homie. Like, I don't care what you say, you know what I mean? So, so look at that right now. Two of the most profound rappers that got something to say, and... And Kendrick at the Tabernacle when he comes to Atlanta. Right. Right where the Goody Mob would have been. Right. Right where J. Cole would have been. Shit. All the dope rappers there in Phyllis Arena. See, mm, the, game, the, game, the game itself is pulling the, the most ignorant motherfuckers in your face, putting them in your face. Understand <laughs> that's, a represent, that's a representation of us, though. Right. But... But we don't we don't fuck with the Kendrys, you know, half the street. I don't fuck with Kendrick Lamar, boy. He be trying to talk smart. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you keep it real. This is the most uneducated, drugged out generation we that we've seen since the 60s, my name. Right. You got to understand it, man. You got two, three generations up under us, man, that don't know nothing. But what the streets talking about? Mm, mm, mm. Come on, my dude. You that's right. Real I got one question for you. I got, I got one more so, question so for you, Gil. When I tell these all the time, I say, hey, man, Kendrick Lamar, he going to be here. You know why? He chose knowledge over money. Yeah. And he's mm. still making more money than y'all. Mm. He's still, he still making more money because what he's saying is resonating. So that's yeah. the same way where a fat lady can, Adele, can go away for whatever time, come back, <laughs> bitch, drop a record, and tell the industry. Now, listen now. Come on now. You can't, you come can't on put now. no record out. You can't put no record out unless you cut these people in. Hey, man, check this out. You can't put my record on none of that bullshit. If you want my record, you buy my record. Fuck streaming, all that shit. The bitch sell eight, ten million records worldwide, hard copies. <laughs> <laughs> now how can she tell? Now how can she tell the whole game? Fuck you! But then I look on the I look on the rap chart. I look at the R and B shit. We got one number to say what we sold, one number to say the this, and one number to say streaming. Man, they fucking the shit out of us, man. <laughs> we done it. We done it. We done man. it. Because at the end of the day, we ain't gonna never see no money from that when that motherfucker cut up already five times. So how am I as an artist, as an artist today, how am I supposed to understand streaming 
enough to where I know I'm getting my money. You can't. You can't. They fucking you, bro. You can't. So you ain't sold five thousand records, but your record been streamed forty seven million times. But you ain't got no money huh? for that. <laughs> but you ain't got no money. <laughs> and then the nigga say, when I first came in, what we were getting two and three pennies. Nigga, let him call a nigga half a penny, one point three percent of a penny. I'm like, shit, what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey man. So, so when you, you look at it, it's like. Either us as elders in the game either start saying, hey, man, it ain't right. Because I'm telling y'all, this, this is the God's on the truth, man. Most of these niggas are sitting at the top of this shit. They got all the money and all the power. Guess what? They be in, they, be, they was paid to shut up. That's why Jay-Z ain't never got no opinion. That's why Puffy ain't never got no opinion. That's why Dr. Dre ain't never got no opinion. They were paid to shut up. Or uh, need to impede traffic. Uh, like, what do you need to tell me? You need to tell me, hey, man, that's the God MC. Man, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I ain't nothing about no nigga dope story ever been entertaining to me. I'm sorry. I was raised by freedom fighters, not drug niggas. Come on, sorry. man. Books and street smarts, man. You know what I mean? I know how to be street smart, my nigga. But, hey, man. Man, look here, man. It's always been some blow up on them niggas' shit, man. Come on, my nigga. Like, at the <laughs> yeah. end of the day, 50 Cent, 50 Cent was always an average South rock, uh, average South rapper that was on Dr. Dre beat. That's what made it sound good. Come on, That's man. Right. A New York cat sound like he was from the South, but he was on Dre beat. Let's talk mm. about the white boy Eminem. The white boy smashed everybody in the game. Niggas go to hell on and say that they, 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 he hadn't. He smashed Jay-Z on his shit. He oh, smashed shit. everybody. <laughs> shit. Yeah. He, yeah. he smashed yeah. everybody. And oh. he made more money than everybody. Oh. And, he, and the biggest thing that I give respect to that white boy is that that white boy loved hip-hop so much he don't even say nothing. He said, hey, man, I already know I'm good. So I ain't got to get out here like J.D.M. and act like I got all the money in the world. I ain't got to do none of that. I'm good at the craft of hip-hop. And when you look at shit like that and you say, okay, so a lot of these folks in the game right now, they propped up. They propped up. Yeah. They corporate. It's just like this. It's, it, when, when niggas go back to the last JM, came out on Samsung, went platinum in a week. They paid him $5 million to do an album. Same thing with Rihanna. Samsung dropped her album. They said, hey, man, that shit went platinum in the night. Man, when did people start making up all these cheating-ass ways to get platinum, man? I don't know. There's a mm -hmm. lot of cheating ways to get There's a lot of cheating ways. And it's just like right now. They don't want you to be an original artist right now. They don't want you to yeah. be original. Niggas want you to come into a room with some writers, go find niggas write the verse and the song, and the rapper just the goddamn the, the talk box. The face for it, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of these cats that sitting at the top that y'all see, they got four, five ghostwriters in the room. Niggas can't write a verse. Damn. Now, I've been... Damn. Okay, so look at Gil. I can come home and say, hey, man, let me go down in the hood. I'm going to jump on Runway Richie. Ooh, that's a talented guy. I like Scotty ATL. Let me go mess with him. Let me go mess with all this little stuff that's coming up. Man, the first thing they say, damn, OG, man, I don't care what 
what kind of beat we pull up, you can get on it. Cause, my nigga, I am an actual student from the craft of hip-hop. I'm from the I'm from I'm from the University of the Dungeon family, my nigga. Do you understand that we created every style that comes from the that come from Atlanta come from my crew, period. Period. No, no. Every style of rap comes from my crew. If it ain't Wish Doctor, if Cool Breeze was the first trap rapper. If it ain't Cool Breeze, then Backbone was the first goddamn Dixie Hill rapper. It all come from my crew. So any so when I hear draw rap, when I hear tip rap, I can hear anything came behind us. It's somebody in the Dungeon family. I can say, oh, boy, you was a Cujo fan. You know what I mean? Oh, boy, you was a 3000 fan. And who you pick as your mentor, you can see it. So when Trinidad, Trinidad James came out, everybody was like, boy, that's Lil Gil. Look at Lil Gil. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's that's up. A, you know what I mean? So for me, being a rapper right now is more about entertainment, more about a lifestyle, but the ones that do it as an art, the ones that do it from the heart will be the only ones that's going to the Grammys like Kendrick and like J. Cole. So for me, I'm telling all you rappers that's listening, you ain't going to have no career more than three or four years. You got to understand, man. You're not. I have been, been on tour in Australia. I have been on tour in Japan. I went to every city in, in Japan. I went to every city in, in Europe. And every city, but anywhere on the map, I've been there. My name on the wall. I ain't go there talking that trap dumbass shit. Because understand this, outside of Atlanta and outside of the South and outside of the United States, man, it ain't one trap rapper that, that, that I can tell you that's famous in Europe. Uh-oh. Not even James. Mm. Uh-oh. 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 Well, Uh-oh. Uh, stop, Menace. stop. We got to stop. We got to stop. We got to stop. We over. We got to stop. Black History Month, baby. This is Black History Month right here, <laughs> we gotta y'all. Stop. Stop. <laughs> we got to stop. We got to stop. <laughs> I got one question, Gip. Please answer. Gip, Gip, answer one question on. for me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm way overdue, but I, wasn't, I, I just couldn't cut that off. One question. Will we ever see another Goody Mob project? Man, a Goody Mob project I already recorded, man. Well, there you go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You heard it here first. You yes. heard it here first. K100 Radio with the mic. That's all I want to know. Once a million. <laughs> all right. That's Let all I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Big kill. You know, I, I want to let everybody know. Southwest by Southwest. We dropping Uh-oh. the trailer. We dropping the trailer to the art of organized noise. Got to go. Uh-oh. And let me tell you what's so special about ours. The difference between our documentaries and everybody else's documentaries is that Gip used to film everything back then. Uh. So, so I'm talking about the parties, the first parties we had in L.A., the first mansion parties we had, we had like the beautiful skin mansion party. I got the actual footage. So you're going to actually, when you get to see this, this documentary, you're going to get to see us actually at the dungeon before the first records came out. You need to see the actual how we looked in and how and how when nigga when you came in the dungeon in nobody wore no shirts nigga shirt off nigga this shirt off zone nigga if you ain't digging in you don't need to be in here <laughs> <laughs> okay it wasn't about wearing no designers we don't wear designers right here we were we we we're, we're the dungeon shop we we shop at Ross and Charlie Trade Post Pimp. <laughs> That's what we do. We don't do none of that Linux and sips and all that, man. Because we're here to say something. We ain't here to goddamn tell a lifestyle uh, into the designer. Nigga, you ain't made none of that shit you got on. You just making them other folks reach. Uh. 
So mm. that's why, for me personally, right now in Atlanta, we got the we we got to get back on being intelligent rappers, man. Right. Intelligent, intelligent. Where 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 my where my intelligence at? And I want to tell this to the DJs, man. Yo, man, goddamn, man. Just don't goddamn keep playing the trap shit, man. Play me some hip hop niggas that's new. Uh. Like, yeah. come on, man. Come on, man. You 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 stifling up. You stifling the game too. If you only feel like oh, I'm gonna play the trap rappers, fuck the mother niggas, cause they ain't got no money to pay me, man. I'm tell you something, man. If that's the way you gonna be, you ain't gonna last long as being a DJ, man. Well, sorry. Red alert, uh-uh. man. My neighborhood in East Point. And that man going, I, I, uh, DJ Hurricane stay around the corner for me right now on the north side. Understand, I still go sit down with those kind of dudes and have conversations, man. Because yeah. I love hip-hop. These niggas love the camera and the girls and the drugs. You ain't going to last long. So think about it now. One thing, you can look at the Dungeon family like, all these dudes that they came out, they sold, they flamboyant, they cool. That, I do love about Atlanta that, man, they can't stop us because at the end of the day, one thing I tell niggas in L.A., I tell niggas in New York, my, hey, man, as long as we got 4,000 strip clubs in this motherfucker, we're going to get some music off. Right. <laughs> as long as we got the streets like that, we're going to get some music off. But, hey, man, can we got them at least start putting the quality control out here, man? Yes, we can. Quality control, man. Yes, we let's can. Let's rise. Yes, we can. Yes, we yeah, can. Man. You know, let's best rise, man. Because, okay, let's, 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 okay, let me give y'all an example of why I think shit be crazy. Okay, young dudes say, they say, Gip, man, you know, the older cats, man, they don't be fucking with the young cats, man, because y'all, you know, y'all got y'all way of doing things. We got our way of doing things. I say, okay, you right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't say we ain't like that. We we mess with, with the younger guys. But one thing I'm just trying to say is, hey, man, when is, when is somebody, when does anybody going to stand up and try and take on what we did? When is anybody, you going to tell me everybody in the letter said dope? Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Keep it real. Keep it real. And, 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 and let's talk about this too, man. Nando ain't here because Nando ain't here because he was fucking with the streets. So if the DJ oh, said, if y'all going to get up here, you know, oh, let, let, let's say this. So if, uh, I, if y'all DJs now, y'all going to play records and ain't got them being the streets? Okay, see, now see, oh, now see, that's why the shit fucked up. Because <laughs> the, the man that's up there playing the music, he had way selling the dime and nick out his back pocket. It's like, hey, man. Mm. Then you got shootouts like 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 bike show and shit. Niggas be trying to kill the DJs. Damn, okay, we got so let's let's talk about this. And I want to say this too. I ain't got no problem with all these DJ groups or whatever this is. But man, when a motherfucker tell me, "Hey man, you gonna have to give me five thousand dollars and I'm gonna pump your music off in a couple of clubs," man, ain't none of you niggas on the radio. None of you niggas go to Vegas. None of you niggas go to motherfucking L.A. None of you niggas do nothing but go to these little ghetto-ass clubs that only the hood go to. 
What the fuck am I giving you five thousand dollars for? Well, come on, Jim, come on, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, we don't, we don't rob. If we don't rob niggas, if we don't rob niggas, then shit, just say you're robbing niggas. Don't tell me you're doing something for five thousand dollars, nigga. When I know your audience only go, your audience only who go to that club. You're not on the radio. So look, man, what we gonna rob all our young? Mm. We gonna rob all our young for they even get in the game? Mm. <laughs> well, shit, man. Come on, Jeff. Come America on, Jeff. And that's why you gotta go back to the saying when they say America is a place that eats its own. The mm. only people, the only people that can have denial in their life are rich people. Denial mm-hmm. is not a privilege of the poor. It's only a privilege mm. of the rich. Uh, it's Black History Month, y'all. And I hope y'all there you notes. have it. There you have it. I, gotta, I hope I, y'all take your notes, man. Yo, you, you, all this yeah. shit is recorded. And I'm so glad it is, I swear. <laughs> that was probably the realest conversation man. you're going to have, and you're probably the realest shit you're going to really, 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 really hear in a while. I, uh-huh, Gil, uh-huh. I appreciate you, brother, for coming through. And and really just really uh-huh. just being yourself, man. This is this is why I wanted you on this conference call because we had the first hour of the show, first hour and a half almost of like business and you know getting people's to get the technicalities right, making sure you get your check right. But I wanted to bring you on this one because I knew I knew you were going to say what the artists need to hear. It's, this is the music business, but that that yeah, part man. of it that I, part I, of I it is what I wanted you to hear. And, you know? and I want y'all to know we put me in the movie. Southwest by Southwest, y'all come down there. Gip signed on Epic, so I'm going to start dropping new music. I'm going to start doing all that new stuff, man. You know, uh, be, be, be very, be very, uh, be very ready to hear some new music from all of us. It, it wasn't no reason that Outkast and Goody Mob and everybody was together last night. If y'all see 3000 been in the clubs, been in the streets. Yes, he has. Yeah. Around, yep. we, we getting yeah. ready to do it. We get ready to get to y'all. I told him yesterday, yeah. man, what what crew of niggas you know can lead a game for ten years and come back and get a million dollars a show all over the world, then come to Atlanta and say that motherfucker got three nights in a row and the whole world be in Atlanta. Nigga, you cannot beat us. Come on now. The only reason why you can't beat us Come on now. Knowledge, my nigga. Knowledge and originality is the only thing they can they can shake a stick at it, boy, but they can't break it. Mm. See that's why I tell these all the time, man. They ain't tripping <laughs> off going. They ain't tripping off being the most biggest rapper, man. I ain't never gave a damn about that. But hey, man, check them numbers. I bet you ain't none of these niggas out sold us. We been out selling niggas up what, up north, and we been out selling niggas out south, out west. We been mm. doing it. That's it. We been doing. I, 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 I left my crew. I went to St. Louis and got on the road with Nelly and sold another eight, nine, ten million records. With a whole nother crew of niggas. Man, so, God is good. You, you ain't never got to worry about us, my niggas, because we the type of OGs that we going to stay squeaky clean till we out of here, my niggas. You don't, don't look at these OGs. This is the first generation of OGs that, hey, man, you can't look at them niggas and say they broke. Can't look at them mm. niggas and say them niggas ain't good. Nigga, yeah, I, yeah. I, I walk on stage to do black ice. Like it just came out, boy, and thirty thousand people jumping. <laughs> as long as I got that, man, I ain't studying about this old fake ass shit y'all doing out here, man. Oh that shit, fake ass, man, that shit fake, man. And that dope boy <laughs> shit gonna drop, nigga. You gonna stay in the chitlin circuit, nigga? I've been on more tours in my careers than y'all niggas has been to the chitlin circuit. Well, 
And that's that's that is that is the OG Big Hill, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hey boy, there's I, nothing more to add to that. History month, baby. We set the record straight tonight. Boy. I'm so glad, I, bro. Gip, thank you, bro, for calling in, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank y'all, man. Whatever y'all need, man. Hey, right, Gip, I'm gonna DM you in a second, man. It's most of me. I'm gonna hit you because I'm gonna be in South by Southwest, so I'm yeah. gonna hit oh, you, yeah, and, 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 and we're gonna link, though, my man. Appreciate you for you. coming on the line tonight, homie. Thank you so much, man. Everybody out there, I hope y'all got educated. I love you, man. I, ain't ne- I don't never mean no harm to nobody, man. It's just that, hey, man, the reason why I can't be the best because I always try to tell my people the truth, man. Exactly. And, and I'm cool with that. Even if it, oh, I tell you all, right. all the time, man, if it stopped right now, I know I did something. I know that at the end of the day, I'll I be here long after I'm gone, man. Absolutely. So if you're not doing yes, music, if you're not doing music to be remembered, then what you doing music for? Uh, Period, point blank. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Uh, uh, uh. All right. Love, Thank you, For sure. Y'all hit me when y'all can. Man. All right. Yo, man. Yo, I, I just gotta say, I gotta, I gotta say, you know, you know, I'm, there's nothing else to add after that, man. The music industry conference called the third installment. Uh, so far, they're just getting better and better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that right oh, there, yeah. that right there, that, that glimpse of what you're hearing, you're hearing somebody who really did this at a high level and who really represents, you know, what I'm saying, uh, not just Atlanta hip hop royalty, but hip hop royalty. Period. You know what I'm saying? When it comes down oh, to yeah. to the sense of the word, and I just want to take a time and say. Really, again, thanks to that brother because he didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's got a lot of things he can be doing. And I just called that brother and I said, I met him at an event. I said, man, can I get you? I said, man, how can I get in contact with you? That man broke out his phone and said, man, take my cell phone number down. You know what I'm saying? I said, all right. You know what I'm saying? Most, you know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't tell me. He ain't send me to his publicist. He ain't send me to his fucking manager. He took his phone out and said, man, take my cell phone number down, man. Hit me up. And that's what I did. And he picked up the phone and said, what's up, bro? What you what you need and and he came on the line and he, whether you agree with anything that you I don't agree with I I don't disagree with none of that shit nigga I've been saying all that nah. shit but when I but but when yeah. I say it I'm called hater but see you can't call a motherfucking OG that's been doing this shit before your motherfucking favorite rapper was doing this shit a fucking hater nigga they copycatting yeah. him they came from him so he's saying yeah. shit yeah. That I say in my blogs I say on Facebook but I'm called a hater I'm called whatever but see you can't say that to Gip. Because he's fucking guilt. Do you know what I'm saying? So don't even play yourself and fucking try to even make that some hate shit. Because he don't have nothing to prove to none of these niggas. Because he's already doing the same shit they want to do. So I appreciate that call. All right, man. Most we got to get up out of here, man. I, 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 we way past over the limit in time and all that. But fuck it. Do you know what I'm saying? I had to make sure I capture all of that. I ain't want to cut him off. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, so, man. yeah that's that was it. well needed, man. The people need to hear it. I need to rehear it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that was that was a blessing, man. I hope people soak that knowledge in right there, boy. That was OG talking, and like you said, man, somebody done lived it, done done it, and still doing it, man. So, handing them more respect there, man. Absolutely, man. Shouts out to everybody who's rocking with us on K1's Radio. This has been the third installment of the MICC, the Music Industry Conference Call. We're going to have more of these, man. Y'all better get on deck. Follow us at K100 underscore radio, at K100 underscore radio. Follow Mugs a Million at Mugs a Million, at Mugs, M-U-G-S underscore a million on IG and Twitter. Hit us up, man, and go to K100radio.com. Did you miss everything Gib said? Don't worry about it. The replay coming on SoundCloud. Follow us. We out. This is K100 Radio. Peace.
We blazing non-stop hip-hop and R&B. What's up? K-100 Radio. 24-7. My old boy from the point, but I'm from Southwest And every now and then I get put to the test But I can't be stopped, cause I gotta come true Ain't got no gun, but I got my crew Didn't come for no beef, cause I don't eat steak I got a plate of soul food, chicken, rice, and gravy Not covered in too much, drinking a cup of punch Top of cold every last Thursday of the Daddy month Daddy put the high grits on my chest in the morning When I was sick, Mary had the hot soup Boy, it didn't know why, but it felt so good Like some waffles in the morning, headed back to the woods Now I'm full of a tick. Got some soul on blast and a cassette Food for my brain and haven't stopped learning yet I wing for Mojo's, got my forehead sweat Celery and blue cheese on my menu next Till I steal Top face boom surround me like cancer Drill, we were second hand off the coast But only to me, not just worse Plus I'm getting pimped by this temp And jacket from Optimus Staffing niggas laughing, set up clown Don't talk to me like that We gonna do it of course, living day by day And you ain't hard trick, hell you say <laughs> it's such a blessing when my eyes get to see the sunrise I'm ready to begin Another chance to get further away from where I've been But I'll never forget Everything I went through, I appreciate the shit Because if I had a win and took the easy way Wouldn't be the strong nigga that I am today Everything that I did, different things I was told Just ended up being food for my soul Well then, good old fashioned soul Sunday morning, where you eating at? I'm on 1365, Wichita Drive, over bird with a stove ride. Church to drop a ticket in yesterday's grease, then go together with this quarter mickey. Last night, hanging over from a good time. Yeah, beef is cheaper, but it's pumped with red dye between two pieces of bread. Sorry, look good with them hairy legs. Wish I could cut her up, but my stomach come before six. A house full of hoes. Now, what's the ingredients? Spaghetti plus a monthly flow. They know they're making it hard on the yard. Fuck Chris Darton. Fuck Marshall Claw, taking us when we in the spotlight for a joke. Changing by the day, I see it's getting bigger in my square. Bigger than Linux from the outside with the stair. No money to go inside. Tamika and Tiffany outside, tripping and skipping rope to the beast from my Jeep as I speak. What's up from the drama? <laughs> he been helping the fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, and collard greens too big for my jeans. Smoke steams from under the lid that's on the block. Ain't never had a lot, but thankful for the little that I got. Why not me? Fast food got me feeling sick. It's what I write And Miss Lady Acting like we in jail Says she ain't got No extra hush puppets to sell Bacon seafood Making me hit the door With a mind full of attitude It was a line At the beautiful JJ's rib shack Was packed too Looking to be one of them days When mama ain't cooking Everybody's out hunting With the family Looking for a little soul food Come and get your soul food Well then Good old fashioned soul food Alright Get up, get up. 